Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are here. Uh, we're actually sitting at our favorite location, the bar. They're not serving alcohol, though, so we're just drinking some water, some Pepsi. Um, but, I'm going through detox. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I'm joking. Last night was obviously an incredible and historic evening in the history of professional wrestling, and it really was an honor and a pleasure to be there. Um, you know, we had great seats. We had such a great time. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about All In and maybe do a, uh, you know, uh, just a, we'll do a follow-up episode later. Yeah, maybe in more detail. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about getting, you know, we, we get to the venue. Yeah, we get to the venue, which, believe it or not, we had no problems. It was simple getting into the venue. Like, and I didn't think it wouldn't be, but, you know, like, even when we got there, the door, like, we didn't really wait too much of a line. We were in a couple minutes. Got right to our seats. The, the thing that blew me away at first, though, was how incredibly long the merch line was. All, the whole show. You I know, don't get my, like, and I get people want a piece of merchandise, but for something you could get on Pro Wrestling Tees or you could have bought at StarCast, they waited in line and, like, missed matches upon matches for it. That was, yeah, that was something that I was very shocked at. I, you know, we, Paul went up to get a drink and came back, and when he got back, he told me that he'd bumped into a guy in the merch line and asked him how long he'd been there, and the guy said over an hour. And, it's and this like, was like over an hour into the show. Yeah, so it may, it may he missed like decent chunks of the show. He probably missed the, the Cody and Nick Aldis match. And let me say, too, this was an hour from the show proper. Right. This wasn't like he missed some of the Battle Royal or something. The show started. I ran out to get a quick beer. And then it was after the Cody match right. that I went out to get the, the next batch of beers and asked the guy, he's like, I've been here for an hour. So he missed, I know he missed the Cody match. So, you know. And he missed, which means he missed the ladies match too. Which, look, I, we could spend time talking about it. I, I, I just, I don't get it myself. I, again, there wasn't anything there that you're not going to be able to buy somewhere else and fine, whatever, I'm over it. Um, the event, well, though. People can do whatever they want. Who are we to judge? It just blows course. my mind. Is what it did. The stage setup was incredible. Uh, the screens looked so good. Uh, the, the entrance ramp being raised like that, I think, just really adds something to it. Plus, it obviously gives Matt Jackson the opportunity to dive off of it. Um, and Joey Janela would almost get killed when he's powerbombed off of it. Um, you know, in, in addition to that stage setup, the, the ring... Um, and the aprons looked incredible. Um, it, 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 there was just something about the presentation overall. The lighting, um, it, it was on par with any wrestling event I've ever been to. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't want to say it's on par with it. It was better than any wrestling event I've ever been to. And to be quite honest, and like, not that I try to compare things that aren't, you know, apples to apples or whatever. But I mean, I've been at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, which was phenomenal. I was at SummerSlam that same year, which was phenomenal. I was, I've been doing Extreme Rules pay-per-view. I've been doing Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So it's not like I'm, I'm basing this, comparing this to, like, the local show I saw on the street. Right. So I've been to big shows. And, and but I think the thing that we took away from it, we both said, I've been there. Like, that NXT TakeOver crowd was a hot crowd. Yeah. And they were into it. But I've never been anywhere that had that sustained level of excitement and, and were hot that long for the entirety of the show. No. And, like... Obviously, if you didn't watch it live, you didn't get to see what they said afterwards. But I'm sure you're going to see it on Being the Elite. But Cody even mentioned, this show is over, and now nobody had left the arena. Yeah. Like, I, I could never say anything like it. You know, like, a lot of times you go to a match, and before the final match is over, they're starting well, to file out. We were talking to Tommy Dreamer earlier, and Tommy Dreamer mentioned, you, you go to WrestleMania, and before the final match right? is even over, people are leaving to get to their cars. That didn't the happen traffic. last night. I mean, hell, WWE had a pay-per-view at Extreme Rules where they were actually chanting the traffic. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the match has ended. Nobody was even in the ring, like, was out doing anything yet. And now you could, the IOAs were barren. Nobody no. left their seat. And no one was trying to get out. It, it was it was incredible. The atmosphere is unlike anything I've ever seen or been a part of. As a wrestling fan for over 30 years, as someone who's watched hundreds of hours upon hundreds of hours of wrestling, who's been to, you know, a, a ton of events as well, I've never in my life ever been a part of something like that. And, and I think... That again, the way the crowd sustained themselves and the way that the performers delivered time and time and time and time again, yeah. it's almost, I don't know if it could ever be duplicated, no. really. And, and, and to be fair, we should preface one advantage they did have with the crowd was because this was such a hot ticket in the big event. This was hardcore wrestling fans. So they're going to be hot to begin with, but there's a double edged sword. Because they're the same ones that if you don't put on a quality match, they're going to let you know it then. You know what I mean? So you had the advantage. As long as you were going to have a hot crowd, but you had to deliver. Sure. The thing is, you know, I agree with you that, you know, again, the, the, the type of fan that came to the show overall. But I, even that said, one of the things that amazed me is the number of families that I saw, the number of kids that were in the audience. Um, Smart kids. Yeah, well, These kids were like... It wasn't like they dragged their kid to the show and it was like all... Like, here's how I describe it. We didn't drag... They weren't kids walking into the show wearing their John Cena stuff. No. These kids knew uh, who these wrestlers were. I, I agree, but but I hesitate to use the word smart just because of the connotation of that no, word no, I in meant wrestling. That, like, I know, intelligent. Yeah. Not smartened up to no, the business. No, not smart like Just like... But, like we're proud of these kids. These kids are on the straight the path to success. <laughs> sure. But I, I think that that was definitely AJ. remarkable. Yeah, AJ, AJ from awesome. the AJ Awesome Show, who we actually had on. Um, and uh, he was great. You know, it's funny. He was up at the top of our uh, our little section there in kind of one of the box areas. And you could see him chanting all night long. And, and, and he was so excited for Cody. He was so excited when, for... When I got up yeah. to go to the bathroom, and I was... I was putting. I have a couple beers, but you have to go to the bathroom. So I'm strategically trying to. Run oh right. yeah. So I went right before the Cody match. Right when the, when the ladies match finished, I ran. And when I'm running by, AJ yelled at me, "Where are you going? You're gonna miss Cody." I said, "I'll be right back." <laughs> and I kind of back. He's like, "Cody's gonna win it." High five. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And here's something else too that happened. As we were <clears throat> so yesterday, we ran into Kevin Sullivan, and um, Kevin Sullivan was incredibly nice. We talked to him for probably about 10, 15 minutes, and during that time, he looked at us. This is one of the greatest minds in the history of the business, all right? He looks at us, and he goes, what would you do if you were booking Cody and Nick? And it was an incredible moment, and and you know the truth of the matter is, it's like, how can we possibly answer that in front of you? And the funny thing is, is Kevin goes, you know, I think if I was doing it, I'd book a dusty finish. And he's like, the fans would shit all over it. Yeah. But then they'd realize what had happened, and they could carry this on for a year. Now, obviously, that's not what we thought was going to happen. We, you oh, know, we then, thought that Cody was going to win. And then he did elaborate. He did. He did yeah. elaborate. And then at the end of the he conversation, he actually did say, I think Cody's going to win the title because of that emotional payoff. And he said, you have this opportunity to show that he, well, he well, called with the Bucks created and everything the, 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 the opportunity for him to be the first them to be the first father-son pairing to hold that title and, and it's just something that it, every piece of that fell in perfect place yeah that it, it would have felt and, I, and, and listen I'm not going to get overly, overly upset about the outcome of a match but I, I would have felt very let down if we didn't get that moment with Cody well, you know, I, I especially since we just got to meet Cody and hold the NWA World Heavyweight Title. We did indeed. Yes, we did hold the ten pounds. Well, we helped hold the ten pounds of gold. Um, but yeah, one of the things is, you know, as the as the 
ring entrances were happening and after the the lead up video and everything, I just I turned to you and the crowd was insane. I mean, I I haven't seen it yet on TV, which is something that Paul and I are looking forward to do. We're going to do that before we kind of give our in-depth opinions about stuff. But in the building, and Tommy Dreamer was talking about this when we talked with him earlier, the building was shaking. And it was shaking before they ever laid a hand on one another. They were just standing there. They had one of those moments where they just stopped and looked and took it in. And, you know, like... What an incredible moment that's got to be for Cody because he obviously, I mean, I'm going to let Cave him out of the bag here. He knows what's going to happen. Sure. Right? So he knows he's about to win this title that was his father's title and the history that goes with it. His place. And, and everything like that. But he's also in the ring right before that's about to happen looking at this incredible scene, this incredible crowd, and they're chanting for him like I've never heard anything in my life. Never, never. In a, an event he created. Right. I, I say he. I, I always mean him in the box. It's just we're not. No, no, I know what you mean. But the take, think about wrapping your head around that. It's an it's, amazing, amazing achievement. You know, we didn't get a lot of time, obviously, with Cody because there's you know, a million people, there's more people there. But, but one of the things that I wanted to tell him is that, I mean, I can't begin to tell you the amount of times I got choked up or had chills during that match. And then, of course, when the match was over, I lost it. Yeah. I, I Paul looked over my eye. I mean, I, I had tears coming out of my eyes. But I'll test. And the thing is, is that, like, when you think about some of the people that we've had the pleasure and honor, frankly, of speaking with, like Kevin Sullivan, like Tully Blanchard, like Magnum TA, knowing they were all there, the sense of history, the sense of Dusty's not here anymore, but we are. Yeah, and, and, and to have the moment come off the way that it did and the way that that crowd reacted when he won that belt. And another factor that was the way they presented this match, like, it didn't feel like a wrestling match at first. They they came out yeah with the entrances, like, like with an entourage and when all this came out they were holding the title like it, it felt like more like what we see the beginning of a huge boxing match or a huge MMA fight yeah and it, I mean that, even even that like Cody's entourage had the, those team yeah, nightmare jackets America, and stuff and like yeah. nightmare family or yeah yeah nightmare yeah, family and, yeah um, the way they did that was so cool and it. Gave, uh, and, and they even did it the, the night before. They had a weigh-in for that match. That's right, and the weigh-in was incredible. And they had to stare down like you would see at a UFC thing. And the, I, I hope it's on YouTube because the video package that they used at the like they used clips of it at the arena, but the, the video package they used live at the weigh-in was one of the best pieces of footage I've ever seen produced. Yeah, it made you like care about. And, and the, the nice thing about it one too was it wasn't all about Cody. They no. made sure, like, they would show him as a child, then they showed Nick Aldis as a child. And here's the thing, too, to kind of piggyback on that. Right, to piggyback on that. We, you know, we're talking about Cody and how it must have felt for him. How must this have felt for Nick Aldis? Because this is no disrespect to Nick. I guarantee you, Nick Aldis has never had a night like that in the business. No, Frankie never. Kazarian even tweeted yeah. that he's been in the business over 20 years and never saw anything like that or been experienced and involved in anything like that. And again, you know, here's the thing. It, 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 the, you know, you can try to compare something like this to WrestleMania, and I get that. But ultimately, the thing about WrestleMania is they could never do what the Bucks and Cody and the talent were able to do last night. I'm sorry. They just couldn't. You go to WrestleMania, the crowd dies for certain matches. People take piss breaks during the women's match. People take, you know... Well, but even even no, if it was only five hours, no. But the thing no, is, is even look at other pay per views that are five hours or whatever. Like the you know SummerSlam or something. It's like that's the thing. And, and, and people tried to shit on some of the comments I made on Twitter. And the truth is, is it's like you're clueless. You're literally fucking Especially clueless. Especially if you weren't there to experience. And here's the I know what you're saying. I'll watch WrestleMania from start to finish. 
But if a certain match comes on, I'm going to say, I'm going to run the kitchen and grab something to eat real quick, or I'm going to do this or that. I got to, you know, like I've been there, like, okay, I got to run, run to the convenience store and grab a Red Bull or something. I'm going to wait. I'll do it during that match. Last night, I was strategically running to the bathroom in between because I didn't want to miss anything. Yeah, no, same and, like, here. Every time we've even do it we, between matches, I'd be like, what I miss? It's like, well, you miss Magnum Walker was at the ring. Oh, yeah, 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 with Tesla. Or yeah. this little thing. Like, you almost didn't you, you want to leave your seat at all. No, uh, yeah, the vibe, I mean, it was so palpable. And, 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 and an arena like that, 10,000 seats, but it, it wasn't, it's not the biggest arena, that noise. There was nowhere for it to go. No. It was like, like me and Sam were two talk? feet away from each like, what, two feet away from each other? And every time we tried to talk, they're like, leaning and going, what? Huh? You know, and the crazy thing is, too, is when you think about the assemblage of talent that was on the card, it's incredible to me. And this isn't a knock or anything like that, but it, it, it kind of goes to show that what we were talking about, the emotional investment in the match and the people and what happened, is that ultimately, Cody got the biggest pop of the night. I thought Kenny. I thought Kenny was going to get a bigger one. Kenny's was huge. Don't get me yeah, wrong. But Cody, like the sense of history and the and the and, and the fact that that belt means more now than it has meant in probably thirty years. And here's another thing with with Cody's pop that he got, and they were doing the thank you, Cody. Not only was it for being in the ring and his murdering, there was there was this entire crowd had a sense of appreciation. You know what I mean? And we've said this in other interviews. I've never been at a show. Like, if you go to... And I'm not knocking WWE, please. Wrestling is great. You, you know, whatever. I watch some WWE. Sure. But when I go to a WWE event, it, it's I'm going to the show itself. This was like, you go to watch the show. And I, we said this to Mark James. I think this felt like you were part of the show. And at yeah. Starcast, you were part of the, the, the revolution, if you will, or whatever you want to call this. And, like... You were treated that way. Well, the thing is, is it's like, look, let's face it, you know, some people might say it's comparing apples to oranges, and that's fine, but the biggest indicator of exactly why something like All In will work and something, you know, that, that, that involves the fans and gets an investment from them will always work is Becky Lynch. What they're doing with her right now, and they might and they might salvage it, it's fine, but what they started to do with her was proof positive that they were listening to... They were listening to the fans. They, they, you know, they they, they weren't listening to the fans, and 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 it it sucks. It's too bad, you know. Great job, Mike. Oh, thank you, Paul. Great to see you again. Good, good. Um, (laughs) Special guest on our podcast. Um, But yeah, I I, I just think that it's going to be incredibly difficult to even replicate this, even for these guys, in a lot of ways. I think that they'll be able to put on shows that are incredible. But honestly, replicating what happened last night, I mean, there are so many people that have covered the business for so many years and been in the business for so many years that are already talking about how they've never seen anything like it. And yeah, there will be shows that are draw more than this building drew. There will be matches that are better than the matches on this card. There will be pops potentially that are bigger just because of the sheer number of people in the building. But there will never, ever be anything like All In. No, and you're going to have all in two and all in three. And like you said, you could theoretically, I don't know how you would do it, but let's just say for argument's sake, you could have even put a better card on it. We, you, we disagree whether or not you could, but let's just say for argument's sake, you could. Sure. You're never going to be able to capture the magic of the first one. That's not to say they wouldn't be awesome or we wouldn't die for them. But there was just something special, and you knew you were, like, because here's the deal. If you were here with this, you're you on it from the ground floor. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, 
Uh, Marty and Sarah are over on the um, podcast movement live stage right now. So if you're hearing any of that background noise, that's what's going on. Um, you know, I think that the sense of community that we talked about with StarCast a couple of times really carried over into the show. And there was a wonderful give and take between the audience and uh, the performers that, it, that typifies, you know, the, the business at its best. Yeah. Uh, what it's supposed to be when it's great. And you know what was great about last night? No matter what you're into, there was something for you. You know, you had in the Battle Royal so, and then the Jay Lethal match, you had some great comedy spots. You had the Marty, the Marty match against Okada was a great wrestling match. Cody match against all this was just an emotional roller coaster. The Kenny Pentagon match was kind of a hybrid. It was a great wrestling match with some high spots and some riveting things. The tag team match that opened it, I thought was great because Arian. Oh God! That, yeah, I mean, that, how, how crazy is it that literally, like, there were I mean, so many great matches, but that might be like one of the best matches on the card. And I loved, absolutely loved the women's match. Oh God! And the ending of that. The last two or three minutes of that women's match was some of the best action that you saw all night long. Yeah, and listen. Like, the Stephen ML Christopher Daniels match was awesome. Well, and the thing is, is it had its place and it told its story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was the thing that's so incredible. Here's the thing. The biggest difference between what happened last night and what happens in New Japan, or, you know, the difference between that and what's happening in WWE these days, and I hate to harp on it, but it's important, quite frankly, because it's a product that gets on so many eyes, is that they're writing television programs. Yeah. New Japan Pro Wrestling and All In was theater. And quite frankly, anytime you get in a building with a live audience like that, it's not fucking TV, it's theater. Yeah, and you know what's sad about that too, not to bang on WWE. One of the reasons they always say that WWE won up winning on the Monday Night War was because WCW was a TV company that had a wrestling show. WWE was a wrestling company that had a TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it feels like WWE's lost that. They're turning into two. And I don't mean to tell you what, but last night was a perfect example of how you can give the fans what they want, but you, still have it be incredibly entertaining and rewarding. You go back to you go back to beyond the mat, and this was really the point where I think, if you really look at it, it was the moment where a lot of people probably started to get a little worried, in some ways, if you will. And when Vince McMahon looks at that camera and says, "We're not, we're not producing wrestling. We're making movies," yeah. and the minute he said that, it all this because you know what? Here's the thing about a movie. It, it can't change and grow based on what the audience is doing. It's set. Yeah. And, and, and that's that. With theater and with, and, with, and with wrestling, as it should be, in my opinion, you can change, you can grow, you can evolve based on what the audience tells you. It's collaborative. And, and, and it makes it even more special. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and how about the threads of the storylines that they weave through this for months on all, being the elite? Like, you, didn't, you never knew what the payoff was going to be for the whole Jay Lethal and the Black Machismo stuff every time. And then they're landing out there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, the funniest part about that match is, is like, the first five minutes of that match were basically move for move, the WrestleMania three Steamboat and, and Savage match. And then, yeah, and you it had... went down to, to Brandy playing Elizabeth and uh, 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 Lanny playing George Animal Steel. Yeah, it was incredible. It was just an incredible, incredible situation. And, like... And it had its place, and it delivered. And you know what? The pacing of that show was great. Because I'll tell you what, not the most, the most, I don't want to, surprising thing to me in the whole night as it was playing out, and you could hear it in the arena, was everybody was shocked when the Coney match came on third. 
Yeah. Now, I think part of that is because the Bucks have earned the back for basically producing the show. Sure. Cody had to get through his match and then take over while they got ready for their match. That's probably why. Well, and you knew, too, that that, that final match was going to be such a, a crazy sprint. What did it take? It was a beautiful, beautiful train wreck. <laughs> and the truth is, is, like, honestly, I feel like there's a very good chance that after that match, it would have been very difficult for them to... Not top it necessarily, but it would have been difficult to get the crowd interested in something that didn't involve six guys flying around the ring. Yeah, you know, and, and being crazy. How, how about how crazy is it? We talked about. Should we try and get Janelle on So here's the thing too, which is crazy, right? We're talking about all this and. We didn't even mention that Chris Jericho showed up last night at all, man. All right? We didn't even talk about Flip winning the Battle Royale. No, and here's the thing about Chris Jericho, right? And you said it to me last night, so I'm going to give you the credit. Here's a guy that just gets it. He looked at that and realized what that was going to be. And it was smart enough to say, unlike other people, I want to be a part of that. I want to be there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, and I also looked at you, and I may, you know, look. I'm an emotional guy. Sometimes I say things that might be a little extreme from time to time. But but I will admit that one of the things I said to you is that if that's not the biggest fuck you to WWE yeah. ever, I don't know what is. This is what you said right in between yelling at me a couple yeah. times. Because I, I got super nervous last night. Yeah, yeah. He just needed Listen, to chill okay. out and trust me. All right, Listen. When you get older and your kids get older, right? You start worrying about every little thing. And then you get six beers and I get this idea we're going to be stranded in Chicago in my head. I got a little nervous. Sam put me, he calmed me down with authority. <laughs> but then he put his arm around me and said, just relax. A stern, a stern but loving voice. Yeah. You know? It was basically one of those, <laughs> shut the F up, all right? Just trust me. But it worked out. And then I like and then I was feeling a little like on the way home, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's like turning into a relationship. Yeah, it is. Well, we've been together for so much the last like four days. I know, right? Um, but yeah, like the whole Jericho thing. And how brilliant is Jericho? Oh. You think it's, it's coincidence that they had a show booked and he worked it out? Because he's gonna do everything he can to throw you off track. Now, I mean I will say this. It's it's likely, not saying that it is absolutely True, but it is likely that uh, the concert was booked before All In was booked. But I could be wrong about that. And even if it wasn't, I'm sure he figured out a way. Yeah, but I mean, he attacks Kenny Omega. He didn't reschedule the concert. Tells him he'll see him on. That's true, he didn't reschedule the concert. You're right. And you know, like. When, he didn't miss it either, by the way. He got you, on a plane and when flew. You picked me up at the airport before we even got to your house. We were talking about that. And you said, How cool would it be if Jericho showed up? He said, but I looked, he's got a concert in Kansas City, so the odds of it happening are pretty similar. It's possible, yeah. but God, it'd be almost impossible to do. Right. Know, if anything proved to us last night, the impossible is possible. Yes, that is absolutely true. Impossible is just possible that hasn't been done yet. And that provides such a wellspring of inspiration. And that is, you know, what the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, you know, and, and Hangman Page and Marty Skrull and, you know, what those guys have done. And the inspiration that they have given is something that I feel like you can't. It's yeah, it's undeniable, Pepsi. you know. Yeah, Pepsi. If you, if you um, not 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 to steal Tessa Blanchard's phrase, but it is undeniable. Um, and it, and it's definitely inspired me, inspired us. Um, let's talk just briefly, and then we'll wrap this up. But Flip Gordon 
as Chico El Luchador shows up. But he wasn't. They booked that. That's right. I they called to... him something different because he's supposed to be one of the cousins of Chico. Yeah. yeah. Which is really beautiful little weird red they believe. I have no idea what they booked him as because uh, they said something else. Though. They so did. That's one of those we'd have to see. And, you know, I'm hoping, but I feel that it's not going to happen. I'm really hoping there's a way I can watch the Zero Hour because um, thank you so much. No problem. This, this is James, everybody. One of the, we're recording our show. Yeah. So this is oh, one of the nice, one of the, the great guy people here, the staff. Yeah. James staff the high Regency Sean boys for taking care of us. <laughs> the staff here has been so great. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Thank, thank you so, so much, James. No really problem. appreciate it. But, um, um, yeah. So like. What was I just saying? Oh, about Flip, about how uh, Zero Hour being on because, the on demand from New that Japan. New Japan's gonna have it on. We once on it last night. Whenever it's up, it's up. Um, I'm hoping that either it's. I really should have rethought this through, and I should have recorded the Zero Hour. Um, I'm sure there'll be a way in the future to watch it. Yeah. I mean, even if WGM puts it on demand or something or re-airs it. Because I would like to see how that battle royal played out on TV. Because it was funny to be there. Oh God, yeah. And that's the other thing too is that you know, in addition to the evening being paced the way that it was, yeah. Um, which is funny, you know, they did almost run out of time. They had, they three, had three seconds, seconds left when they finished the last match. Um, in fact, we found out, and, and people maybe it showed up on TV, but it seemed like they couldn't get the go home from Marty and Okada. It ran longer. Yeah, and I had a theory. <laughs> I said to you in the, in the arena, something's going to happen to be a ref bump or something, because the ref came out from the back, was hiding at the guardrail. Yeah. Then he was ringside. Now, when we talked to, to Vince from WrestleQuest, he said, no, no, they were getting, trying to get him to do the go-home, and they couldn't get it into them, so they sent somebody down because they were going long. Yeah. Now, there's a, here's the thing, too. In, in Japan, when they wrestle, it's on their own network, and, and the streaming service thing goes long as they want so when they get a go home and somebody like Okada gets told to go home, if he doesn't feel like doing it right there, he can get some latitude. I don't think you quite understand this because it's on an old school pay-per-view that when that thing hits 11 o'clock, it hits 11 o'clock, gentlemen. Well, here's and if the, there's ever been proof of that, WCW had Halloween have to go off the air. Well, right. But here's, here's the one thing that I will say to that, and that is that if anyone would be able to kind of call the shot and be like, no, fuck you, I'm doing what I want. It should be Kazuchika Okada. I agree. And I would not change a single thing about that match with Marty. That match was incredible. I agree. And I even said to Vince, it might have took away a couple minutes of the Young Bucks match, but I don't think it hurt it. And no. In, in a way, that being only like, what, 13 minutes or whatever it was, I, I maybe it was a little longer, you never got a chance to breathe in that match, which, well, was, which was actually a good thing because it was like, you know, as the crowd did, stand up at the big moments are coming, then you sit down for a couple minutes. You stand up. We, we stood up in that match, and I was like, you never sat down. No. And and I think it was actually because it was just like a sprint. Like, we're going balls to the wall for whatever it was, 12 minutes, actually helped that match. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that completely. Um, and I just thought that the whole post-show was, was incredible as well. I'm it was sure very emotional. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think... You I, can check gonna, out our Twitter if you want to see a little bit of it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I think we're going to go ahead and go home ourselves right now. Uh, it has been an incredible weekend. Yeah. This will probably be the last piece of content we record while here at StarCast. Um, we've got, you know, a few hours of stuff that we'll be pushing out slowly but surely. Hey, you know, we're going to do... a lot of cool stuff in the future lined up. We do have some really cool stuff lined up in the future. You know, we've made a lot of contacts, gotten some phone numbers, gotten some, you know, some great sort of uh, off, off the mic... Uh, conversations which will relate to you Here's as we go. Here's cool was, and I won't say who, but we would go up to certain talents and you talk to them and you give them your card or they give them your card. 
or like you'd say they, they'd agree to you know they'd like to be on an interview or work with you somewhere what's the best way to get in touch with you there's been talent here that actually said well hold on let me just give you my cell phone number yeah call me or text me like you know my favorite was Rocky though send me a message and just remind me every month yeah. that I do it he's like, yeah he's like bottom like, I promise you I'll do it but my schedule is insane yeah which I can only imagine but like it is a little nuts when you walk out of here, like how they just give it. Like that's how just accommodating they've been. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, let's face it, a lot of that has to do with you know, with like we do have press credentials basically, and 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 I'm sure that that goes a long way towards it. But that being said, the kindness that yes. everyone has shown. Um, it has just been incredible and reinforced that sense of community and the experience has been unlike anything I've ever done before and that's after going to like Comic Cons and other I want to ask you like a that. Take, we've been this, you know we've been having a blast but this has still been a, a work yeah. a little bit of work yeah step into Sam the Fan yeah not the event itself Starcast what yeah. was the one moment that you look back and say wow I know what mine is Mine was when we finally got to keep face-to-face and met and talked to Magnum, DA face-to-face. I mean, that was kind of the first thing that popped into my head. That when we just realized Tully Blanchard was right next to us and we were talking about college football. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Tully was very, very cool. You know, I guess it's hard to say, too, because I really, really... The Magnum thing might have been a special thing because of the, 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 the great interview he gave us and how he reached, like, was just so accommodating to us. But the coolest, just, like, little thing that might have happened the whole weekend that happened out of nowhere... It was the conversation with Kevin Sullivan. Oh, yeah. It, it, we just bumped into him. We were walking by. We said hello. And he, like, stopped. Like, it looked like he was dying to talk to us. You know, another really cool moment, honestly, it had to be... So many. You know, even though we didn't get an interview out of it, and we're not going to get an interview out of it, another cool moment, honestly, was riding the elevator up with Kevin Nash and talking to him in the hallway before he went to his hotel room, because he was on the same floor as us. Yeah, when I so, walked... Like, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like when I walked down the hall to get in the elevator, the elevator door opened, and Scott Hall came out. Yeah, it's I just got, like the, those little interactions. I know it's killing me, because I got to say hello to Scott I Hall know. and shake his hand. And I have not... Ah, well. It was like, that was how StarCast was. Like, if you, I've never been in a convention. Like, you usually go to a convention, and the, whole, the, the the talent is there. They sign, and then you don't see them. Right. Like, I got on the elevator the one day, and I'm coming down. There's like four or five people, in, and I'm not looking to the side, and, and I hear a voice say, y'all have a good time? And I turn, it's Bruce Pritchard standing there. Right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's just bullshit. You guys have a good time? What panels do you go to? What you like? Oh, I think, I think Scarlett Bordeaux is actually walking through the lobby right now. Um... Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, just just an incredible time, and and we're so thrilled and honored that we got to be here, and hopefully, in some of the coverage that we're going to bring you, if you're not able to be here, uh, you know, we can bring you a piece of that because that's kind of our, our mission with the with this podcast while we're at Starcast. Obviously, we also generated a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling related content because that is, of course, what we are. We've been pushing that a lot while we've been here, and hopefully, it'll lead to some bigger opportunities down the line. You know, what I want to say a special thanks to you too. And we can talk about that. But it was super cool. And Stephen went out of his way. It was Bruce Mitchell. Bruce Mitchell was incredible. Uh, Kerry Silken yeah, also Kerry was another. Kerry was awesome. Um, but you know what? Let's face it. We've talked about them before. I'm going to do it again. The other people here that have been incredible uh, include the Hyatt Regency staff, like yeah, Jose. Yeah. Oh, I'm Jose, sorry. Uh, James, uh, Fifi, Amanda. I mean, so much well, of the staff the has been incredible. Uh, Ina. Ina. <laughs> she, it was all in jest. Um, but then, of course, Ina. like you say, you get to the StarCast 
staff themselves. You get to Conrad, you get to Dave Hancock, you get to Dave Otto, you get to Cousin Derek. John uh, Lopez. John Lopez. John Lopez. John Lopez. Yeah, we, John listen, Lopez. We are when we, <laughs> we're gonna when we do our like proper show. I think we're going to open the show by thanking John Lopez. Because ah. this whole staff was... And I'm sorry, I thought you said StarCast. I didn't realize you said the Hyatt Regency. That's no, right. Like, you never listen to me anyway. No. <laughs> I don't listen to anybody. Ask my wife, you know, kids. Um, but no, I mean, everybody was great. And I'm not going to go into any details, but John Lopez was so cool. At and least three different occasions, he was so freaking clutch. did something special for us. And even when, like... He would walk by, we'd like run it. There'd be sweat pouring on him. He's running all over. Every time he saw us, he'd stop. You guys need anything? Everything going well? Yeah, you guys good? Everything okay? And and you got to a point like we asked something. They were like, you know, we hate to ask you guys, but it's so great. But, uh, we need a favor if you can do it. No problem. And I'm not gonna say what the favor was, but I I was extremely happy. Oh yeah, no, we we like I said, we're very well taken care of, and the staff was incredible. And uh, you know, if something like this ever does happen again, if 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 by chance you know Conrad put something on like this again I can only hope that the same team will be involved um, because it's been fantastic and how about the job they did and then you found out it's their first convention yeah like they hit it out of the park oh here comes CDP's walking through the park. yeah there he goes there's been so many like different like you know there's always you can always I don't care what it is you can always do a slightly better job no is it Tessa and Chelsea yeah. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. We're going to go home. But thank you guys so very much, and we can't wait to talk to you more. Uh, we'll be back soon with more coverage from StarCast. And then, of course, we'll also be back with our New Japan Pro Wrestling coverage as well. All right. So uh, what you've just heard were actually uh, our reactions to All In less than 24 hours after the show. Uh, we, were, we were sitting at the bar. Which was probably our second favorite place of the weekend. Yes, <laughs> uh, but we wanted to uh, we wanted to come back and we wanted to talk about um, you know what our impressions are now that we are a week a week out um, and you know kind of go match by match and you know not go in depth. Where there's been so much said already that I feel like we don't necessarily need to say too much, but I think that uh, just our kind of reactions now that we've had some time to simmer and think about it. Um, yeah, because I, I think most of the people who are, like a vast majority of the people that are listening to this have probably seen All In, so they don't need us to give them the entire match-by-match match breakdown. It's just more of a reaction. Yeah, take exactly. Away from it. So, um, the show opened up with uh, SoCal Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky defeating the Briscoe Brothers in a tag team match. Damn boys. Um, yeah. Man, uh, so this was on Zero Hour on WGN America, um, and I mean, Paul and I, even in the arena, I, like, I thought this was a great match and a perfect way to open things up. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I rewatched this. I didn't get to rewatch everything, but I did yeah. rewatch Zero Hour because whether I, you know, taking it for what it's worth, but it is on YouTube. I don't know if it's legally on YouTube or not, but it is sure. on YouTube. Um, because I wanted to rewatch this. I wanted to see if the match was as good as I thought it was, or was there just a byproduct of being so excited for the show and then it started? Yeah. And when I rewatched it, this match was as good as I thought it was. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed the hell out of this match. They had the crowd into it right from the... It was a hot crowd, and they had the benefit of going out and start the show. But they, they played to the crowd in a good way. You know, I mean, it even started with SU coming out dressed like Apollo Creed and Rocky, which yeah. which was just a total payoff for people that watch Being the Elite because they put out that separate video of them training. Yep. 
in from, Philadelphia. Yeah, it was like the Rocky Three montage and everything they did. <laughs> so, I mean, they paid off that whole thing completely, but it was just a great match. And the end of that match was oh. fantastic. That, that ending sequence was great. Yeah, when Kazarian, like, caught him and did, like, that flipping power slam. I guess just... the best way to describe it, he, for, right, Kazarian, the, the Briscoes put Kazarian up. They were going to do the Doomsday device. Right. And when... Which got them a lot of heat. It did get them a lot like, of heat in Chicago. Yeah. I can't remember. Was it Jay that went off the top? No, I think it was... Or Mark. Oh, God, now I can't remember. Well, one honestly. of the Briscoes went off the top. Yeah. I think it was Mark. Mark I, went off the top, and he caught him and did, like, a power slam off the top. And then when he right into a pin, but yeah. then Scorpio Sky ran over, jumped off Kazarian's back, and did like a flying knee to the other Briscoe. It was just great. It really was. And I, this was a perfect opportunity for the Briscoes to do what they do so so well when they're heels. Um, they, you know, they, they honestly, they're so good. And I feel like there are a lot of people out there that know they're good, but there are a lot of people out there that don't necessarily keep them in the front of their head when they're thinking about great tag teams and in, in my estimation with everything they've done and the way they carry themselves now I mean they should be in my opinion mentioned in the same breath as other great tag teams whether you know people want to talk about the Dudley Boys or they want to talk about Arn and Tully or you know even going you know, Heart Foundation whatever whatever the case may be I mean they should be mentioned in the same Rick, breath we can't say great ta- tag teams though the greatest of all time without at least mentioning Ricky and Robert Oh yeah, but you know what I think what hurts hurt the Briscoes was the fact that if they didn't do some of the things they did, they would have been in WWE. And you can say whatever you want, but yep. it would have put so many more eyes on them. But some of the things oh, they yeah. did on Twitter or some of the comments they made, I just think held them back from hitting those, that bigger platform. So they've yeah. been kind of on Ring of Honor forever, and they haven't been. I mean, I know they've been in New Japan here and there, but a lot of that hasn't been since the big takeoff. Of New right. Japan since because like, like I kind of look at the takeoff in New Japan not necessarily when the streaming service starts started I think it kind of took off with the Okada Kenny match at Wrestle Kingdom that brought sure. so many people into it I mean if, if you look at the subscriptions and and really since then has the have the Briscoes been over there at all uh, I don't think so not that I can I remember mean, so yeah I think they're just kind of stuck right there and I don't mean that in a negative but the Ring of Honor not everybody gets on TV or it's stuck in a weird time slot so. People that aren't going out of their way to watch Ring of Honor haven't been exposed to the Briscoes. Yeah, because they're, I mean, the the thing is, is that they won the IWGP Tag Team Championships in June of 2016. Um, So I think, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say. If they have, they haven't been on a lot. Like, they haven't been featured like some of the other tag teams maybe have. No, 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 definitely not. I mean, they. I, I don't. I think it's been. It's. It's probably been over a year at least, if not, you know, almost two years since they were really featured in any way, um, because they held the the tag titles from June uh, until October of that year. They they beat the Gorillas of Destiny and then they lost them back to the Gorillas of Destiny at, at King of Pro Wrestling. If I'm, so, if I'm not mistaken, they're they were in chaos, were they not? Yeah, they were actually. Yes. So there you have that. But, yeah, what a great match to start the show. Two great teams. Totally hot crowd, too. And oh, the yeah. crowd was so into it. I don't know. And, and it came across that way on TV. Because sometimes, like, being in a live crowd comes across differently. No, you could sure. tell it was a hot crowd. Yeah. I, I, I think that it, that was one of the things that definitely carried over the whole night. Um Although I've not actually sat and watched the whole thing yet. I'm, I haven't either. I'm waiting for the right moment. 
Um, so next up, we had the over-budget Battle Royale, uh, which, I have to be honest, was probably one of the best Battle Royals I have ever seen. Oh, it was great. It had everything in it. It had high spots, comedy spots, slugfest. Like, it, it really did encompass everything. Um, yeah. My only... This, I don't even want to say a gripe. The only thing you could say about it really, maybe negatively, is that it was a little predictable when it started. You could tell that was flip. Yeah. Like you, you just had this feeling it was slipping on the way it started. But that's okay because, you know, what? And when you're doing a one-off show like they did, I don't mind if it's predictable if it's giving the audience what they want. Yeah, because we've talked about this before just with wrestling in general. I think that, you know, certain payoffs have to, they're built in such a way that, frankly, you need to, um, you need to get what you think is coming in order to have that that satisfaction. You know, it's it's cathartic in a way because it's been built up. And sometimes, you know, it works when they go the other way and they give you the unexpected. Um, it's interesting because hearing, listening to some, some other people talk about the Battle Royale, and in particular, um, I know on Observer Radio, both uh, uh, Brian and Dave were talking about the fact that they thought that Colt was going to win. And it's interesting because I know you and I had talked about Colt Cabana winning, but I think because of the direction of the show in general, I mean, clearly the payoff was flip, and it made the most sense. And I still think the great thing is the way that Colt Cabana was used um, really worked really worked well. And, and, and it's nice because it's obvious we're going to keep seeing him in Ring of Honor, um, and, and more than likely, you know, feuding with, like, Bully Ray and, uh, and being kind of the the beneficent, you know, veteran, if you will, who, who stands up for some of these younger guys and, uh, uh, you know, he's like the nice guy version of Bully Ray, if you will. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying because, like, not only was he in the Battle Royal and the whole works, but then they did the spot where they teamed up and did almost like the shield gimmick. They did the triple yeah. power bomb, and it was it was Colt, Flip, and who else was it? I'm trying to. Was it was it, it Jay Lethal? No, because he wouldn't have been out there for that, would he? Yeah, but it was yeah, it was Jay Lethal, right? Because it was after the that match. It was after the Ring of Honor Championship. Yeah, it was match, after yeah. that. So like they used Colt further in the story. Yeah, but, exactly. But I get what you're saying. Like there was a couple different ways that battle royal could have went, but I think by the, our, before it started, our, our predictions were that Flip would win under the Luchador mask. Right. But it was a payoff for everything from being the elite, so you didn't mind it at all. No. And the other thing that the battle royal did so well is it. Um, it, it first of all, it took Jordan Grace and made her stock rise a hundred percent. You know, I mean, she's someone yeah. that you know, following women's wrestling and, and intergender wrestling, whose stock has been rising steadily over the past year or so. Anyway, yeah. uh, but but this battle royale, like, if you watched all in, you could not but help come away feeling like she's it. You know. Well, yeah, and right off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody that's a, a, like that's a loser in the battle royal like no. you know what I mean like they all had a little moment like I thought even like Billy Gunn for example had a couple moments he looked great mm -hmm. um, his son Austin Gunn yeah was yeah in there too and looked great um, the Tommy Mar Dreamer was Tommy fantastic Dr Marco Stunt had his moment oh my god oh, when yeah. they pulled him back in by his hair when Billy Ray just grabbed him out of midair by his hair I, oh brutal yeah I mean and so everybody had their moments in there yeah and Brian Cage um, Brian Cage looked all, great obviously all ego Oh, yeah, food. Ethan Page had a lot of good stuff, actually, yeah. which was really cool to see. So, um, yeah, yeah, overall, I mean, it's a battle royal. It was fun, it was exciting, it was fast-paced, and it did what it had to do. 
So the match that opened the pay-per-view proper, um, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I think it's worth talking about in context of the whole card. Because it was Matt Cross taking on MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, Our buddy. Our buddy, yeah. Uh, podcast guest extraordinaire. And it, it was a good match. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. MJF is great. He's, you know, he's absolutely going to be big. Matt Cross is, is incredible in the ring. Um, he's a guy you can really get behind. Played that babyface role perfectly. It was a good match. The question that I have... It was misplaced. Would the 9 minutes and 23 seconds spent on that match been better served going back into the main event? You know what I mean? Like, if they didn't have that match on the card... Well, I think that's one of those things in hindsight it would. But I think if yeah. everybody... I think the show just... It started running over. I don't think the plan was to... You know what I mean? Like... Oh, right. If everything went according to plan, it wouldn't have been an issue. But then in hindsight, but by the time they realize you're running late and long, you're already past that point. You know what I mean? To start the show. Of so course. there's no. But I get exactly what you're saying. My only issue is, and it was a solid match, but I don't know if it was done any favors by being the first match on the main card. Because it kind of. Especially coming after the, on the heels of the Battle Royal, I think it slowed it down a little bit. I agree. I think it was a very interesting. Like, if, if you. If you had not watched Zero Hour, yes, and not everybody into did. It, and, right, and you came into it, and this was the first match that you saw. I, I totally agree with you. Being there live, it was actually kind of perfect in a way because you had this really hot tag match to start off, one of the best battle royals of all time, quite frankly. And then, you know, a nice sort of... I mean, I, I, I'm doing it a disservice by saying this, and I'm doing the competitors a disservice by saying this, but it was a nice little palate cleanser in a way. I kind of got you wish, ready for the rest. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I kind of wish they flip-flopped this with the SoCal-Briscoes match. Maybe had the Battle uh, yeah. Royal first, then the macro, then the, the Macross-MJF match. Then started the main card with the SoCal match. I mean, I get it. It's just no. that the whole zero-hour thing was to get people to buy pay-per-views. So I get yeah. that, too, you know? And I and I genuinely feel as though when they were putting the card together, they really were doing it with the live crowd in mind first. Yeah. And it makes sense because, you know, it, it, it was a live show first. You know, then it became, uh, you know, potentially an internet pay-per-view. You know, then it became... Uh, a pay-per-view. A pay-per-view. Then it became WGN. So I think that, you know, that probably had something to do with it. Well, they probably um, wanted to make sure they did right by WGN, too. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, WGN, let's face it, took, a, took not a chance, but that's a big step for them to do what they did before this. So it, well, that, that's a good thing. I mean, and they, wanted to, they wanted to deliver for them, so I get that. And it's worth noting that, you know, MJF had won a match a couple of months ago on the Indies in order to get this match. Like, he actually had a match with Flip, and he beat Flip and was able to, to secure a match on the card. So it's kind of neat in a way to see that payoff for him as a, you know, as a younger competitor. It's great to see Matt Cross up there, who is you know, a veteran of the indies. So, I mean, it, was, it, it made sense in the context of what the event was about. Yeah. Um, I don't have a yeah. problem with the match at all. I like the no. match. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it was in the best slot on the card it could have been. Even if they put it later in the show, maybe flipped it with the Jay Lethal match. Or they did something. I just like I just feel like if you tuned in, like you said, without watching Zero Hour, you flipped on the pay per view. It just felt like a match. It didn't have sure. that like go to. But but that's I'm not trying to shit on the match because I enjoyed it. Absolutely, absolutely. So next up we had um, honestly probably one of the most talked about matches going into the card, which is Christopher Daniels taking on Stephen Amell. Um, 
And as far as celebrity matches go, you know, it's been talked a lot about that Stephen Amell wanted to have, like, the best celebrity match ever. Um, and while I don't necessarily think that was the case here, it was damn good. You know, for a guy who's only had three matches, he looked incredible. Yeah. Um, and I thought that, you know, Christopher Daniels once again proved how incredible of a storyteller he is. Um, and it was fun. It didn't, you know... I. Some people said it went on too long. I, I don't know. Think I mean, so. being there, yeah, exactly. I didn't think so either. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, and it kind of made you go, "Man, I hope, I hope he does another match down yeah. there." Yeah, you know. Um, I thought he did great, and like you said, it, maybe not the greatest celebrity match, but if I put you on the spot right now, you'd be hard pressed to think of one better. I yeah. mean, if you, oh, if you yeah. thought about it, maybe you could, but I mean, it's definitely up there. Um, the, uh, the ongoing joke was, but if, if Stephen Amell wrestles, there's a two-thirds chance I'm going to fly out to it or go to it. Because I was at the <laughs> SummerSlam match right. where he teamed up with, well, he teamed up with uh, Neville, I Neville. believe, against, yeah, Cody, against and, Cody and, and Bad News Barrett. Yep. But, uh, so I've been at two out, of, two out of three of his matches. I didn't go to the one in San Antonio. But, uh, yeah, I liked it. I mean, the, he, obviously, if you watch it, especially on TV, there's points in there where he makes little mistakes or it's not sure. as fluid or something like that. Um, the one that jumps right out is I don't think he was positioned right for the best uh, moonsault ever. The yeah, first, yeah, yeah. the first one because he kind of overshot it and just threw his arms on there, but it right. didn't it didn't hurt the match because then he kicked out, so yeah. you were able to say oh he didn't get it all. He, yeah. You know, um, there was one point like right before that too. I think you could tell he was in the wrong spot because Kazarian slipped over him to get to the ring to the corner. But yeah, these yeah. are small nitpicks. I mean, this is a guy who's not a professional wrestler. Right. And to do what he did, I mean, come on, man, doing the table where he did the, the elbow off the apron oh. or the ring post through the table. Um, yeah, he you did some he, crazy stuff in this for, for a non-wrestler. I mean, he did some crazy stuff for a wrestler. Yeah. And you know what's funny about it is apparently the table spot was fine. What ended up uh, bothering him the most after the match was the uh, the coast-to-coast. He yeah. said that his hip was like numb, and that uh, and that you know he he really hoped that the feeling returned to it before he had to get back on set. And then he sent a tweet out saying the feeling has come back to my hip, and I wish that it hadn't. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, but they, overall, I thought like here's a for example, maybe even if he just flipped this in the MJF match, this yeah. would have been a way to start the show with some buzz. But it definitely the crowd was into it. Um, and I like what they did too, where they set the table up and then didn't use it immediately. They came back, Absolutely. so it's just like impending sense of doom because you know that table's coming into into play at some point. It's you know it's so strange because I feel like, and I hesitate to say this, but since uh, Omega and Okada did that, um, which is not the first time it had ever been done. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But since they did that, and, and it was one of the greatest table tease spots ever in the history of wrestling, it, it feels like more people, either either I'm noticing it more or more people are doing it. I think it's the latter, quite frankly, because it used to be you pulled out a table, you used it right away. Yeah. Um, but we're seeing more often that table spot get teased and, and, and prolonged. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I got no problem with it. It's just it. another device to build tension. It, like, it's out there. The, the, the funniest part is, and you can tell, you know, Christopher Daniels is working his ass off out there. Is when they get to that spot because they're on the they're up on the ring apron or on the the turnbuckle. Yeah. When he falls and he falls onto the apron, the best if you watch it is how he kind of like falls off the apron and throws himself onto the table. Yeah. Because he has to get there somehow. <laughs> right. Right. And it, it, it was it's kind of funny to watch, but he got himself there and then and he hit it. But overall, it was a good match, and I think the right guy won. 
Oh, yeah. Without it doesn't hurt Amel at all after the performance to lose that, but I think it would have hurt Daniels a little bit if he had lost to a celebrity in a one-on-one sure. match. I mean, when, when you get in a tag match, all, all bets are off because you can have any kind of... or And if it's going to be a one-on-one match, if the celebrity go, is going to go over, it's most likely going to be because there's going to be some kind of shenanigans and it puts him in the perfect spot. But for right. not really having anybody get involved in everything, I think they, they did the right thing here. Yeah, I would totally agree. And, and I like, too, I liked after the match that they shook hands and they went that way with it. Yeah. I thought that was a nice way to wrap up that, that story and, and, and to move on to whatever they're going to do. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, and then next up, we had the four-corner survival match between Chelsea Green, Madison Rain, Britt Baker, and the undeniable Tessa Blanchard, who, when she got to the bottom of the ramp, um, was met by uh, her father's uh, yeah. Tully Blanchard and Magnum T.A., um, we had already kind of mentioned this earlier on the podcast, but, you know, Magnum was concerned that he wouldn't be able to be there because, uh, he, he gets around on a Segway these days and the key fob for the Segway apparently had been lost. Um, so he, he wasn't going to be able to have it. And it, it ended up that Cody apparently, um, offered to rent a Segway, but they had trouble getting it there. So eventually, um, he used a, a wheelchair, uh, and his son, um, Tessa's little brother actually ended up, um, pushing him out so that he could be there, which was a really cool moment. And, yeah. and she, you know, she told us personally that, you know, she, that, that no matter what, he was going to be there. Um, this, uh, because, how, yeah, it's crazy. I, I'm sorry to interject. How bizarre and surreal was this event for us? Now you're into this match, right? By the point, yeah. the second match, the third match, we had already throughout the week had an interview with MJF. Yeah. was in the man on the show that the day of the event, before we left, we hung, we were sitting there for a while with Tully Blanchard watching college football. Yep. We were downstairs talking and hanging out with Magnum TA, not meet and greets. We're like shake your hand, get a photo, and out the door. Like actually talking to these people. The yeah. next day, we were bullshitting with Tessa Blanchard while she was getting a tattoo. Yeah, while she was getting a tattoo. And was the, awesome. this was just how accessible everybody was this whole weekend. It was yeah. It was crazy. I'm sorry. I just I wanted to throw that out before I forgot. It was just like it, it, all these people in the card were like, "Yeah, we hung out with them beforehand." Right. No, I agree. It was it was awesome. Yeah. Um. So so there's actually a lot to talk about with this match, but I, you know, yeah. I, I, again, I don't want to go on too long. Oh, we could spend uh, Brit, a half hour on this. Right. Britt Baker's entrance was incredible. She came out to kind of a remix of Adam Cole's um, old Ring of Honor um, music, which was great. She had the dentist jacket on. Um, she's someone that, you know, I, I've seen quite a few times live in person over the past year and a half. And, you know, she just she just gets better every time I see her, quite frankly. Um, Chelsea Green is the same way. She's doing this thing now where she's got kind of like the split face going on, where like one side of her face is all Laurel Van Ness kind of craziness, and the other side of her face is very, you know, put together Chelsea Green, which I think works really well for her. And she plays up the gimmick well in the ring, in the match. Uh, Madison Rain looked like a million bucks. I mean, she she came out there. And the thing about Madison Rain is, is you could tell that for her, this was a really, really big deal. Because Chelsea, Britt, and Tessa have, you know, they've been around for a couple of years, but Madison's been around for, like, what, like uh, 10, 10 years, maybe more? I mean, uh, not quite 15 years, but I think, yeah, she had her debut in 2005, so she's been around for, like, 13 years, so you could tell that for her coming out and some pictures that were taken of her backstage right before she came out, uh, that this was this was a very big deal for her, and it, and it really radiated off of her. Um, and then, of course, Tessa's entrance was, you know, yeah. Awesome. Now, here's a question for you. Yeah. Maybe you know, maybe maybe I missed it. Obviously, when they sat down to originally do this, 
Deanna Perrazzo was going to be on the show. Correct. Okay. So I'm assuming one of these four were, I don't want to say substituted or added, but they probably wasn't part of the original plan and then put in. Yeah, and I think it was Madison. That's what I'm asking, yeah. Yeah, because I know that Chelsea was announced pretty early. Tessa obviously was not only announced early, but she was at the press conference. Britt was was announced, I think. I think Madison was the, the last one announced. So I think she might not have originally... You know, been or or hey, I mean, it's possible that this was going to be a, a five way or a six way. Yeah, no, I'm just curious because I don't think they've ever ever really was said. But that's great. I mean, if that and if that was like you know that could help explain too why she it's such a big deal to her. She she got the opportunity. Maybe she didn't think she was going to get. But right. This match well, was really really good. Yeah, and you know, going real quick, the, the timing of it for Madison is also pretty huge too because she's also in the May Young Classic. So I think yeah. for her, this whole year has probably been kind of a culmination of some things, um, especially because she kind of took the leap by leaving Impact at one point and, and just sort of being like, I'm done with Impact. Well, and, didn't and kind she, of uh, wasn't she just herself. in the title, or didn't she just wrestle for the Impact title too, not that all that long ago? Yeah, she, so she's back maybe? with them. So she, so it's interesting because she, she, she basically took off... Um, I want to say it was like 15, 2015 or 2016. It was right, as, as, crazy enough, it was actually right around the time she married uh, Josh Matthews, I think. And, and so she, she kind of left, and she was doing the indies. She did Ring of Honor a little bit, but now she's, yeah, now she's back with Impact, and then and now she's doing the Mae Young Classic. And um, so, I mean, she's kind of been all over the place, but I think that she had um, spent a little time yeah. away from Impact. And I'm not saying the split was acrimonious by any means, but I think for her it was very much... It, it, she was just ready to kind of change up. You have to expand. Like you have to expand and branch out. Sometimes you can't get stuck in one place. You know, and I don't. I didn't really want to mention this. I just think that because you mentioned that she's married to Josh Matthews, how bizarre, and and it just shows how the wrestling world is different. Years ago, I, I'm, talent wasn't supposed to fraternize with each other, and they didn't want people involved. Now you look at this match, and if you add in Deanna Peraza, who was originally supposed to be in there. Everybody in this match is in a relationship of some sort or was in a relationship with another well-known wrestler. I don't want to make this about the guys. I just want to point out that how different wrestling is. That would have been a big no-no years ago with the promoters. Well, yeah, and the thing is, is I, I, you know, Britt has been very open, um, obviously, about her relationship with Adam Cole it, to the point where, like, she was talking about how much she wished he could have been there at All In. Um, you know, Chelsea Green obviously is, is, is tweeting pictures all the time with her and Zach. Um, uh, you know, Tessa, I, I, I believe was I don't was think they are I believe it is anymore. was, yeah. but still was was with Ricochet and they were posting pictures uh, together a lot. And like, say Madison Rain married to Josh Matthews, um, but I, I mean that's neither here nor there because let's face it. it, it, it you know, like Deanna Perazzo and, and Marty Skrull are together as well. But what's been pointed out numerous times, um, you know, is that these these ladies have reached the point that they're at in their careers solely on their own. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean to imply. No, I know you didn't. Got, I know no, you didn't. I, I just want to make sure that listeners don't think that I'm implying they got ahead or got an advantage by that. They got over on their own and they got to their place all on the, where they are all by themselves. I'm just saying from a promoter standpoint, how much more latitude they have. Where oh, sure. years ago that would I mean they would have actively frowned upon a lot of that or it would have been yeah. more you know and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know with the independence it's a little bit different you know what I mean like if you went if you went to spend six months in the mid south you know and Bill Watts said you know you can't date your 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 uh, valet or whatever I, I mean fine um, but yeah I, I definitely think it's it's a little different now just because of the way that the business works. 
Um, I don't know. It's, well, it's, I mean, it's it makes sense. It makes sense, though, that you're going to be around or want to be in a relationship with people that you see all the time. You know, you're, you're not going to be in a relationship with somebody you only met once and never saw again. Well, not likely. only that. The, when you're when you're in an industry like that, I, I, I mean, you're not. It's going to be incredibly difficult, frankly, for you to be able to get on the same page with somebody who's not in that industry. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing when I was working as an actor. You know, I mean, the number, the sheer number of actors that that I knew. I mean, that's how Jessica and I met. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like it, that's just kind of what you do. Because and it's somebody that it's, understands it's what different. you're going through. Right, it's very different from like you know a doctor marrying a banker, or you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's a, it, 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 the the type that type of job, that type of profession, whether you know it's an actor or a wrestler or you know any type of p- profession where you're constantly switching jobs, where there's a different sort of sense of security, where there's you know you're on the move, you're on the go, um, and you're performing in particular, and you're around different people all the time. I mean, it's a very, 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 very different situation yeah. than you know than other gigs. So, but um. Onto the match. Let's the get match. back to the match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After that, uh, yeah. The match was great, and and I think that it. I mean, the last couple of minutes, and and you know, we had the fortune of being able to tell tell, uh, tell uh, Tessa this. The last couple of minutes of the match were just incredible. I mean, the action and, and the way that everything flowed, you know, one thing to the next, and the way that all four women were, you know, really on the same page. It was it, it was really, really great. And Tessa joked with us that the false breakup of the pin at the end of the match was a little... Um, Mistimed? They jumped the gun on it. <laughs> well, it, but, did, it did create a weird ending. I will say that, it, 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 at least live, because you didn't know if the match was over or not. Right. And I like that, but the only problem with that is you didn't get the, the instant crowd pop because people weren't sure. Yeah. So that was a little bizarre, but like, and I, we even said to Tessa, very rarely, like, do you have a match where if somebody dives in to break the pinfall, they get it. Very rarely do they not. And yeah. to have two of them do it at the same time and not get there in time was, was an interesting finish. I liked it. It did add a slight level of confusion to the crowd because right. of the way, like she, and she said they, they maybe the timing could have been a little bit better, but overall it definitely accomplished, I think, what it was trying to accomplish. I completely agree, and I think that again, all four walked out looking even better than they had when they went in, uh, in my opinion. And Chelsea, man, say what? Like the stuff that Chelsea Green was doing, and and the dives. I mean, her dives look so good, and and I mean, they all, all again, all four women looked great, and I, I can't necessarily say that there was a star of the match. And I think that one of the things that was fascinating too is seeing Tessa you know, wrestle more as a baby face. Cause you know, almost always I see her wrestle as a heel. Um, and, uh, and in this crowd, you know, she definitely wrestled more as a baby face and it was interesting to see some of the adjustments that she made. Uh, and that was the other thing that was fascinating about the match in a way is they all four, it's like all four were baby faces. They just went out there to wrestle. And, and I think that that, allowed the match to tell, uh, you know, this really great competitive story with these four athletic women who, who really wanted to grab, you know, the spotlight and, 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 uh, and show what they could do. And I'm, I'm thrilled that I'm going to get the chance to most likely see all four of them, uh, in about a month when I go to shimmer. So nice. I know we know Tess is going to be there for sure. I know Chelsea and Britt are going to be there. I'm pretty sure Madison's going to be there. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them, and uh, it's such a small, you know, kind of intimate setting that uh, I'll probably get the chance to talk to them, which I'm looking forward to. Nice. Very nice. The next up, we had what arguably would be the match of the night, not necessarily based on match quality, but just the sheer emotion, electricity, yeah. emotion, yeah, everything that went into it. It was the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship match between Nick Aldis, the... Uh, 
champion and Cody. Um, right, you know, it really started with the 10 Pounds of Gold documentaries. It led up to the weigh-in at StarCast on Friday night, and then the entrances well. helped even sell it even more. It felt, this felt like a real prize fight. Yes. It never felt like a wrestling match or a storyline. It felt like a prize fight. And then they got in the ring and they had this old school, you know, territorial style wrestling match. That totally worked. Yeah. Oh, it was great. All right. Let me just state too, like you said, the 10 pounds of gold lead up was great, but I was telling anybody who wasn't at the weigh in what they missed with that promo set to the one with smashing pumpkins, disarm playing. Disarm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the pleasure last night of seeing it again. And if anybody wants to see this, the whole weigh-in and press conference is free on Fight. I didn't know this until last night. If you go to the Fight TV app, you can watch the whole press conference and weigh-in where this happened for free. But the way they did the weigh-in and the promo, and like you said, the way they came out with the entourages, even the small things like when Nick Aldis weighed in, they held the belt above his head behind him like an MMA match would do. or. It gave it a, a big fight feel, and you could tell that it paid off because if you rewatch that match, when that when they that match starts, the crowd loses their shit before they even touch each other yeah. to the point where they just stand there and take it all in and look at the crowd. And the great part about it is it it, it, it keeps building and building. Like when that match starts, the crowd starts to pop, and then it starts to pop more, and then they're looking around, and after about fifteen seconds of this, everybody's off their feet, banging their chairs and everything. Well, one of the things that's uh, worth noting is that one of Cody's, and he's on the record as saying this, has said it multiple times, one of Cody's favorite matches of all time is Hogan versus The Rock from uh, Mania, what is it, 18? Yes. Um, and I, I, they they had their Hogan-Rock moment at yeah. the top of the match. And they even know? did it right. Like, if you watch it, they do the same thing. They stare at each other, and then when they stare at the crowd, they look in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. Then they go back, and they switch directions they're looking at, kind of like they did The Rock. Like, but they're just feeding off the crowd, and the crowd is going crazy. And it's one of those things that when you're there, you can feel the energy, but you don't realize how it built up until you watch it on TV because you're just yeah. lost in the moment they're alive. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was definitely responsible, uh, the, the match. I mean, I was already pretty hoarse going into the night, but this was the match responsible for me but just losing my voice completely. I, don't, I want to tell people what happened when the match ended when we get there. Okay. Because I look over to you. <laughs> Well, let's, let's just talk about the match for a second first. So, yeah, I mean, everything worked so well. Uh, I, I thought Nick Aldis looked, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, uh, and I was even talking about it with SoCal Val the, uh, on Sunday after the show um, about how when he was in TNA, I always thought he was one of the best things about, you know, about TNA at the he, time. What was he, Magnus? Uh, yeah, when he was Magnus. Um, and, you know, he he just carried himself so well going into this match and he had uh, I mean he just looked great in, you know throughout the whole match and and I mean Cody obviously um, is is great too and, and they just they worked so well together and and there were some really great spots and you know Cody took a hell of a beating then there was that spot where he uh, he went for the disaster kick out of the ring and he caught the elbow in the face and went down hard they you know they threw up the X um, you know, the Which, crowd, the crowd actually, like there was an uneasy feeling when that happened Yeah, because we, I mean, you should have known, but they, that's where they used being a smart fan, quote unquote, smart fan against people because yeah. like the people that are dialed in and, and, and read the internet and everything know that that's the symbol for somebody being hurt. So when yeah. it went up, there was an uneasy feeling until, until DDP came down. I think right. that was a little reassuring that, okay, this is all the work. This is what, what's supposed to happen. 
And then, um, and then Cody kind of came up, and DDP was checking on him, and then he went back down. DDP got in the ring. He gave Davari uh, a diamond cutter because uh, Davari came down with a towel, which didn't make a whole lot of sense. Because how is Davari going to throw in the towel? Did for you? A guy no. Did you, did you watch it the replay? No. Okay. If you watch the replay, it makes more sense because Davari's screaming at the ref. He has the towel in the water for Aldis. He's yelling. He's done. He can't continue. Call it. Davari uh, wants the ref to end the match and award it to all this. So he's it. coming down like to tell him off and give him a drink because he won. Got it. So so anyway, um, uh, you know, then DDP gets in the ring. And then afterwards, when he comes back out again, Cody comes up and his face is covered in blood. Yeah, they, they, they didn't miss that a little bit. When you watch it on TV, you could tell it's a lot worse. Like somehow Cody gets hit with the elbow, comes out of the table, and he's not bloody. Then he goes back under the table and he comes out and he's a bloody mess. They did like either DDP yanked him out too early or Cody fumbled the blade or something because it was a really weird like he should have been bloody when he got pulled out the first time. Yeah, I just think I think what but I overlooked it. it, I don't care. Like, I usually don't like talking about this sort of stuff because I kind of feel like, well, we're not in the business. So what the hell do no, we no, know? but it but, was so obvious that it almost has to be. Right, right, right. But what I was going to say is, is it looks like it, what happened is, is that he, he probably gigged himself. Uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, if you look at his forehead after the match, that he gigged himself kind of on the top left side of his forehead and that it, he didn't get enough blood out of it. And then when he went back under, he did a long cut right across like the right side of his forehead. And that's what ended up getting all the blood going. Because if you look closely at his face, uh, you can actually see blood coming from two different places. So I think that more than likely he got, the, he got, he got going with that second cut, which was the long one. And then all this helped to open up the, the uh, first cut that didn't really bleed when he, when he hit him with those frog punches in the forehead. See, so, it would have been I, nice had the first one, even if it just bled a little bit, and right. then he did it. Because then you would have just, in, in theory, it would have been, okay, it continued to bleed. It bled more. Ex- but, yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm overlooking it because it didn't. I don't really care. I just want to address no. it because it's so obvious and people are, were sure. tweeting about it. But if, if you watch that and that pulled you out, then you're, I don't know why you were there. Because yeah, no when he comes up, though, covered in blood, it just adds to it now. And and with right. the be- the bleach blonde hair, it's like the old Ric Flair look. Like it's all yeah. over. Like, or his dad, you know, Dusty had the same yeah. thing going. Yeah, I shouldn't. Um, I don't know why I said Flair. I should have said Dusty, but Flair's just so known for that. that oh yeah. yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and 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 you know the the way that the match continued after that. I mean, the blood added a hell of a lot. You know, and Aldis used it too. He wiped it on his chest at one point. Then then we got into the near falls. And the crowd bit on every single one of them. And and the thing is, is that you could have, you, if you would have talked to fifty people in the audience that night, I I am willing to bet that you would have had twenty five people say that all this was going to retain, and twenty five people saying that Cody was going to win the title. And that might not necessarily be what they wanted to happen, but it felt like the crowd was so well, split that every near fall that people bit on big time. It couldn't be exactly fifty fifty because we know one person that wanted a dusty finish. <laughs> that's right we talked to we talked to kevin sullivan and uh uh you know and, and he he brought that up and we we talked about that earlier in the, yeah uh, in the stuff i'm glad they week. didn't go that route though it was so rewarding to see cody win and you know what i liked yeah. a lot i liked the ending of the match it had an old school ending it ended without a finisher it didn't have this like new age it ended like because if you watch a lot of those old like nwa title matches from the 70s and 80s even with flair and everything most of flair's matches back then didn't end with figure four leg locks and shit they ended with roll-ups and and small, out of, packages and small packages and, stuff, yeah. and shit out of nowhere, well, so the, it had that feel to it. 
even the you know even the famous which I think this match can draw some comparisons to um, you know uh, and have has drawn comparisons to is the Kerry Von Erich Ric Flair match where Kerry Von Erich wins with a backslide yeah um, and you know in Texas Stadium just erupted just lost their shit and that you know I, I think that as far as title changes go. Um, and looking at the history of the NWA championship, I think that that's probably the only other title change that had in the NWA. I mean, we're talking about guys like Flair and 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 Steamboat and Dusty and, and Harley Race, Race and, and yeah, yeah and, and, and the Briscoe and, and, and Jack Briscoe and you know the Funks. And I think that that in a lot of ways that this change had you know more heat than just about any of them. Yeah, uh, which is incredible to say. I, I do um, want to mention, if we're naming NWA champs, we did forget the greatest of them all, Wildfire Tommy Rich. <laughs> he did hold the belt, correct? He did hold the belt. For like he a week or something. Hey, I'll tell you what. Okay, he held the belt I've, and I didn't. From everything I've heard and everything I've read, if the son of a bitch could have shown up to the building on time, he'd probably still be NWA champion. Yeah. But, but he just um, but he but he was late. He would miss he would miss bookings, and they're like, "Well, we can't keep the belt on him." Yeah, can't anyway. trust him. But anyway, yeah, it was just everything was it was great. So they go into the the finish where, where Cody I don't even know what you would call it. It was like um, it's not a small package. He pinned the leg. It, it's like the old Bret Hart. It, it's the exact same finish basically as Bret Hart and Davy Boy Smith from Wembley. Yeah, yep. it's that move where he, he leans back and pins the legs down. But so this match ends, and the crowd loses their shit. Yeah. And everybody, I mean, this was the most emotional, like, and I don't want to sound overly sensitive, but this was like the most emotionally invested I've been in a wrestling match in a long, long time. And the re- and the finish and everything that went with it. And you're seeing Cody crying, like yeah. when they hand him, before they even announce he's the winner, when Earl Hefner hands him the belt and he looks at it and he's crying and he's kissing the belt and everything. I look over to my immediate right and what do I see? <laughs> Lo and behold, my my podcast tag team partner is also losing it. You, I'm not saying you were in a full sob mode, but you teared up. Oh yeah, which no, I'm glad I, you did because then I felt like if I did, I wouldn't. People wouldn't have looked at me, which I, I no. didn't. I thought I was. It was, but like it's and people laugh and say, "How could you do that?" It's like going to a movie and crying at the end of a movie or trying not to tear up at the end of a sappy movie or something. Because you're in, and, and, and to me, it's even more because you've been emotionally invested in this now for weeks. Right. Not just two hours. So, I mean, if they, in hindsight, like, if they had done any other finish, it would have really fell flat. If like, yeah. and Nothing against Nick Aldis. And, I, and honestly, I think Nick Aldis comes out of this as the, one of the biggest winners of the whole night. But, it, you know, I think this is one of those rare situations where it was better for Aldis right now to lose the belt. Because now if he goes back after it, which doesn't this scream they can have the rematch at the 70th anniversary show? They are. It's already. Oh, did they already announce signed. it? Okay. Yeah, they're already. Yeah, they're going to have the rematch at the 70th anniversary show to the point where I was like, man, maybe I should go, but it's on the same day as Shimmer, and I've already got my tickets. So, but how great uh, uh, and just uh, to sit down and promote this and book this stuff to do it the way they did to have the first match and the huge feel to it at all in, and yeah. now you're going to have the rematch and and everything that goes with it at the NWA 70th anniversary show. Now, here's the thing: is that show? I'm hoping that show is going to be. Available on pay-per-view or iPay-per-view or some way. Because now, now I completely want to watch that show. Me too. It's got to be. I, 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 they, they, they're, they're, yeah, I cannot imagine that this is going to be uh, a live-only show. I hope not. Especially after what All In is Because done. here's the thing. Like, if you look at it, previous to this, 
I would have just read about it the next day or checked out YouTube clips after and said, oh, that's pretty cool. The way that they did All In and now with the rematch or anything, this to me, I have, like, I got to watch that show one way or another. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and, 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 and I think that one of the other things that's worth noting um, as a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast uh, is that Cody is going to go into um, the... the Jeez, uh, oh, my brain is not working right now. But the... Uh, the, the US show, yeah, the Long Beach show, right? Yeah. Um, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Good Lord. He's going to go into Fighting Spirit Unleashed to take on... Juice Robinson for the United States Championship uh, as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Will he come out with the NWA World Heavyweight Championship? Well, it's not going to be on the line. No, but he should come out wearing it. Oh, he. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, totally. He should come out wearing. I it. I mean, if I'm Billy Corgan, I get in touch with them with Ring of Honor or New Japan and say, "Listen, even if I got to pay a little bit, I need the, that showcase going into the like just out there in people's minds." I agree. Now, here's the further question, though. Yeah, and I think it's worth asking. Does does Cody walk out with the U.S. Championship? I think he does. I think he does too. I think Cody I think, walks out with uh, yeah, is the NWA World Heavyweight Champ and the New Japan and the IWGP U.S. Champ. I think he kind of has to because the thing is, is like if I'm if I'm Lagana, if I'm Corgan, yeah, I can't have my champion losing to a mid card championship, right? Right. Like, and they're doing a really, really good job of trying to build up the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Now, obviously, it's not where it once was. I mean, but with their 10 pounds of gold series and some of the stuff they've done, they've really done a, that title so much more important than it was two years ago or even a year yeah. ago. Oh, God. The minute Cody won that title, that title is more important than it has been in over 20 years. I agree. But I also give a lot of credit. I think Nick Eldis helped build that title up. And to be honest with you, I think Tim Storm did, too. Not and to the level, not I, to the level of Cody. But I, I think that I look maybe. Not, I just I, think it's a progression. I think Tim Storm helped it from where it was. All this took it to a better level than Storm did, and, and a part of it's because the ten pounds of gold started when Tim Storm had the belt. So it was the way I, he carried look, himself on those shows helped. If the belt was at a zero before, and it was at a a let, let's say that when Ric Flair held it in you know the, the mid eighties, that belt was at a ten. And then let's say that, you know, the belt dwindled down to a zero. Well, it's got to be a zero three. in 94 when Shane Douglas throws it in the goddamn ground and won't take it. That's about sure. as low as the belt can go, right? So, so, so let's say that that's where it is. And now, and now let's say Tim Storm maybe brought it up to a three. Yeah. All, All this, this might have brought five. it up to a five. Cody's got it at a solid seven. He might even have it at an eight right now. Seven or an eight. I mean, and I don't yeah. mean to, like, in my mind, it's almost like a ten because I care about the belt. But I get Right. But Cody, the sky's the limit where this can go. But I, I'm just yeah. saying, like, so I don't want to put it, like, but, yeah, you're right. It's the most important this title has felt in a long, long, long time. Really, probably since World Championship Wrestling stopped using it. Yeah, or for 20, maybe 25 years. They had that little spurt where maybe it peaked, uh, bounced up a little bit when it was the actual title for TNA. That's what I was saying, too, yeah, because there was that time when you had guys like AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett, Raven, and um, Kurt Angle holding it, but which, it's, which I think but made it's, it more important. It's more important right now than it was during then, yeah. because more people now know, like, I guarantee more wrestling fans now know who the NWA World Heavyweight Champion is right now that did, even when it was in TNA's belt. I agree. I agree. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, that was history, and, and, and I'm thrilled that we were and, not only, you know, that we were there in the building to watch it, you know. But it got a little bit better for us, because we got to meet Cody the next day. 
Cody and, and his yeah. lovely wife, Brandy. And we got a nice photo op. And Cody was a nice, nice enough person when he held the belt up, said, guys, you got to get your hands on this. Right, right, right. So there is a picture of us, which is on our Twitter. It's actually, I think, our Twitter background, is it not? Uh, I believe so, yeah. It's, well, it's, I know it's on our Facebook. I don't know if I've changed right. the Twitter background well, yet. No, it the, will the Twitter be, background is still StarCast. It will but, be soon. Yeah. Um, it's me and you, Cody and Brandy, and me, you, and Cody are holding the belt. And I didn't realize until after, I'm also, I'm also holding hands with Cody accidentally. If you see my hand, <laughs> I'm like basically caressing Cody's hand on the belt. He's a very sexy man. He is. He is. It's hey, He's the champ. What are you going to do? Right. But that was pretty neat. We got to hold the 10 pounds of gold with Cody the day after he won the belt. Yeah. That's, that's, that that's a neat cool. little, like, and we, we were, like, super professional. We did our job and everything. But that, in my mind, that was a little bit of, like, I, I marked out a little bit, like, behind the scenes. I didn't carry on. I just, that's, like, so, like not, like, like, a stupid fan, but that was one of those things that, as a wrestling fan, I'll always remember holding that belt with you and Cody the day after totally. he won it. No, I agree. And there's actually a great uh, picture of uh, our close personal friend of the podcast, AJ Awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's this great picture of AJ Awesome <laughs> holding the title up above his head, and his mom tweeted out that he could only hold it up there for about 10 seconds. But yeah. uh, but, but Cody told him that he had to, so uh, I thought that was a cool picture, too. Um, so we went from history to the garbage can, and I mean that with all of the affection I possibly can muster, because we got one hell of a Chicago street fight between Hangman Page and Joey Janela with Penelope Ford. Yeah, and she put it into you the You cannot, part. yeah, you cannot forget adding her into that mix when you say that, because she added so much texture to the match. And it's, and it's great, because we had seen them um, the day before, uh, and they were super cool, and we didn't get an interview with them or anything, although I think we had the mic on, so you might actually hear them talking in the background. Oh, I, I recorded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did too because I was when I was going through some of the stuff that that we've got from last weekend. I was uh, I, I, I was listening to them, but um, so so yeah. This match was insane uh, in all the right ways because it wasn't just insane; it was really good. It was the example of of what you want to do when you have a street fight, and and I think they hit all the beats. Oh. And another, like, yeah, the whole thing was great. I mean, I'll forever remember that running power bomb spot off the ramp through the table. But I thought, I thought Joey was hurt off of that. Yeah, and but you know what I loved about this show? It it was a serious wrestling show that also took itself lightheartedly. Like even in the middle of this serious street fight and everything that was not a comedy match by any stretch of the imagination. They they're like oh we need advertising for this we're gonna throw it right in your face we're literally gonna have a Cracker Barrel and yeah. we're gonna use oh, it God. and the look on and the look on Hangman Page's face when he took the when he took the uh, uh, towel or the uh, tablecloth off of it like it was like this look of just like it was it was it was akin to the look that Cactus would get in his eyes when he'd pull the barbed wire bat out you know what I mean yeah and, and it was it was awesome somewhere um, there was an ad executive for Cracker Barrel that was like. Cry, had to be crying with delight the way that played out. Yeah, right. They got their money's worth. Whatever they paid for the advertising for that, they got their money's worth on that deal. And here's the great thing about this match. All of the insane spots that we had, Penelope Ford uh, uh, just being amazing, and, and you know the, the power bomb, like you said, off the ramp. In my mind, they saved the best spot for the finish, which is exactly how these sorts of matches should end. Because it's like you can't, you, you know, you can't do all these crazy things to somebody and then just end the match with like your finisher. You know what I mean? Um, and the fact that they got up on the ladder and Paige delivered 
the last the finish, rites. Yeah. yeah, the last rites off the ladder through a table. I mean, I. I'm not lying. I, I was like, he's dead. Yeah. He's dead. Joey Janela is dead. I, I know what you're saying. You can't do like a running power bomb off the ramp through a table and almost kill a guy, then just hit your mope. Right. But they, they found a way to still make it his finishing move, but in a way that you're like, like you said, holy God, he's either dead or crippled or whatever. Like, look at this. Right. The best part is, though, when the match ends, that's not oh, all. Oh, God. No. We get to what probably is the most controversial part of the night. Only, and I say that, not controversial, like, oh, my God. There was... A lot of there was some talk on Twitter that there was some people that didn't like this, but I think the people like if you're a fan of being the elite and you follow what was going on, which is which honestly is who they made this show for, I believe. Yeah. Then it clicked. You got it. It was a payoff. Um, and you know, if if you're not watching it, you could just just bypass this part. But the video right. package comes on. So the video package comes on. It shows um, a dead Joey the- Ryan in the hotel room in Tokyo. Yeah, and then he or what we he, thought was a dead Joey Ryan, because he comes back to life. And how does he come back to life, Sam? Well, um, how should we? Um, the the well, blood little, flow. Little Joey was, rises. Yeah, little was, Joey rises from the ashes. You can tell there was obviously blood flow to his extremities. <laughs> yes, yes, you could. Um, and it was, it was, you know, it was funny. Uh, I, I had no problems. With no, because not only that too, like the way they did it, it's like a take off the Undertaker, like that kind of music yep. starts, and then the not just druids came out. What kind of druids were they, Sam? They were penis druids. Penis druids, it, which started a. I mean, it, it, the the chant, the rest in penis chant was. They have ridiculous. a shirt. They have a shirt in pro wrestling tees. Rest oh, in I'm penis. Sure. They do. Uh, I'd almost want to buy it, but I don't know where the hell I could wear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't wear it around the house because of the kids. I can't wear it to work because I work at a school. Like, where would I even wear a rest in penis shirt? Right. So, um, but anyway, yeah. And then they come out and Joey Ryan comes out and he beats up Hangman Page. He's alive and well. And, um, oh, I should say, too, one of the spots that led up to the the, the finish of the Joey Ryan, Joey Janela match, or, or um, Adam, what did I say? Not Joey Ryan. Adam Page, Joey Janela match is when he goes in the bag, he takes out the phone. He beats him oh, with yes. the phone that he used to quote unquote kill Joey Ryan with. Right. But um then they get up and Joey Ryan does his move and beats him up as he's baby oiling himself up and everything. And then the penis druids carry Paige out of the arena. Well, and one of the things too that was just an incredible visual is like you know, Joey Ryan in his entrance always has the lollipop in his yeah. mouth and he sticks it down his pants. And at one point he takes the lollipop out, shoves it in Adam Page's mouth, and then super kicks him. Page spits the lollipop out. And it was it the thing is, I, I'm like you. If you watch Being the Elite, the the thing that the show does so well is it gives you a wonderful sort of behind the scenes feel. It gives you a dash of sort of like playing around with some of the angles that they're that they're working toward the stories, and then it gives you some of the absurd shit that they do. Which obviously the Joey Ryan story was pretty absurd. What we're about to see in the Ring of Honor Championship match, the stuff with uh, Jay Lethal and Lanny Poffo is kind of absurd, but it works and and it's fun. And I think that that's, you know, wrestling has always been that. And if you, I mean, if you go back even to like the, the, the 20s and 30s, there were comedy matches on the card, you know. Yeah. And, and that has not changed. And so I think that uh, the way that they used it and, and the way that they used it in particular throughout the night was really perfect because you could have this insane street fight between Paige and Janella, And then you could have this very absurd moment where the penis druids are carrying Hangman Page out. And the crowd loved it. Yeah, and, and I, I actually got into a Twitter debate on my personal Twitter with somebody over this. 
Mm-hmm. And my argument was the same. The, the fans loved it. The people that were in the arena, that's what they wanted. If you didn't like it, just ignore that part. But, of course, we got the WWE would never do that in a serious show. And I said their biggest show of all time was WrestleMania three. They had four midgets in a match with King Kong Bunny and Hail Billy Jim. Yeah. It was a comedy match right in the middle of the thing. Maybe it wasn't about penises and everything, but it was a comedy spot right in the middle of their biggest show ever. So don't well, tell me they wouldn't. You don't think Vince would do something like that if he thought it would drive ratings up? Could, We're talking about the, the company with brawn panty matches and pig yeah. slot matches and go back to go back to the damn Attitude Era with Val Venus and you know gold getting dust. His, getting his dong cut off or or or, or uh, Sean Stasiak doing the meat gimmick or the the beaver gimmick the beaver cleaver gimmick like I mean come on I saw you know, an interview with Taka Michinuku that whenever he comes to the United States people still ask him about the choppy choppy your penis off. Yeah, you know, so give me a break. And if you don't, if that took you out of the show, then you're just you you weren't watching the right show for you from the beginning. Yeah. All right, but um, the next thing, so next up, up we, we go from Ring one absurd to another. Yeah, uh, Ring of Honor World Championship match. Uh, Flip Gordon had earned the right with the Battle Royal earlier. He comes out with Brandy, uh, which was interesting because we we you know, Brandy had t- taken an elbow bump uh, off the top rope from Aldis earlier in the match. She covered up uh, Cody, um, so it was interesting to see her come back out. Um, but she had done a costume change and she was, you know, with Flip, uh, which could further some storylines. We'll have to see what they do post. Uh, we know being the elites kind of on hiatus for a few weeks. They're all taking a little time off. Well-deserved. Yeah. Um, plus they gave us an, a huge, like their last episode before they did it, the behind the scenes and the back. I mean, it was like a good, what, 45 minutes, 47 minutes, 47 yeah. minutes. So they've earned, you know, some time off. Uh, and then Jay Lethal comes out with Lanny Poffo, and he's dressed as Black Machismo, and he's actually he's actually wearing one of Macho Man's jackets. Yes, uh, which is cool. Um, and they they play up the whole uh, gimmick from the get go to the point that it that it very nearly uh, replicates WrestleMania three Steamboat Macho Man with you know Brandy playing the Liz role, Lanny playing the Georgie Animal Steel role, and, and then obviously flipping. And uh, Lethal, you know, in their respective roles. Um, at one point, Brandy gets in the ring and slaps Lethal on the shoulder, which had been the cue for him to change personalities. And now he's back into being um, Jay Lethal again for a while. He gets slapped on the shoulder again. He's back to Black Machismo. Uh, but here's the thing. As I'm saying that, it sounds ridiculous. But the match itself was damn good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a really, really good match. And here's another thing. I saw people on Twitter. This is disrespectful to Randy Savage. His brother is right there taking part in it. And Lanny went on the records, and it wasn't disrespectful. It was honoring him. It was, it was bringing it – was, it was a way to have his essence and his presence there years later on a show like that to pay homage only- to him. Not only that, Randy, wasn't Savage the one that gave him the fucking gimmick in the first place? I think so. When he, yeah, he heard him do the impression of him and was like yeah. all over it. Because Randy was smart. It was a, it was a way to like get him back. You know what I mean? Keep yeah, him on people's it was, brains. It was like Kevin Nash. It was like Kevin Nash and Randy Savage both apparently were like you know because I guess Nash had heard him do it. Nash was like, "You got to do this for Savage." He did it for Savage, and they were like, "You got to do this. You know, go out and do it." Um, and he and he had the gimmick for like two years. Yeah. So it's it, not it, like it's anything new. My no. God. It, but, uh, yeah, it was a great match. This was my only nitpick of the whole, like, real show is this was the only match that went the way I didn't want it to go. I kind of wanted to see. Maybe it wouldn't have been the right thing to do or the right time, but I think it just would have played so well had Flip found a way to win this match and get that title, even if he dropped it quick. Because, like, you could have played it off on being the elite that Cody just won this whole belt and everything. Now, 
fuck. You can hear him fucking flip has to win. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I'm with you Especially 100%. if Flip won a title a on the show because he wor- weaseled his way onto the show that Cody wouldn't book him onto anyway. Right. But maybe maybe right. in the long run, it's not right. It's not the right time to give Flip a world title. Maybe he's not ready. I, I sure. don't know. But I mean, and he's got, look, he's the kid. The, the kid's got plenty of time and he's growing so quickly. I mean, he, he, he's getting better and better in the ring. Even he did the um, the kip up spot that when we saw him do it at best of the super juniors on the first night, I was like, Jesus. Christ, what did I say to you right in the crowd? The second he you, did it, I said, oh, God, I hated when he do, did this spot. And 10 seconds later, I'm like, okay, that wasn't bad because he knew when to kill it. Yeah, because he did it like three times. And it yeah. was like, that's perfect. That is perfect. You remind the no, world that you're the, that athletic learning. and you can do it. But you did it two or three times. The crowd's amazed. Like when he did it the first night of the best of the Super Juniors, after like 45 seconds to a minute, I'm like, all right, enough. Yeah. But yeah, like small stuff like that, he keeps getting better and better. And he's got star potential written all over him. Oh, God, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, he's got a great look. He's, his athleticism is off the charts. His background I mean, I think, story is going to play to a lot of people. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I, and his charisma is great. His mic work is great. No, he's he's He's, 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 he's so good, his persona at that, oh, shucks, kind of like, like, what does Cody call Montana dumb? Oh, yeah, Montana dumb. <laughs> but he's got like that, like, and that's, Cody said it, so if anybody in the show is listening in from Montana, we res- totally respect the state of Montana. That's not us. That was Cody said it. But he has that, like, all shucks quality to him. Like, he's like an innocent kid. He's just yeah. going through the thing, you know? And, and like, the whole persona and the character that he's secretly in love with Brandy plays yeah. so well. It's his best friend, but he's obviously in love with her. Yeah. It's oh, great. Yeah. But uh, it's also worth noting that at one point during the match, uh, Flip did the uh, the Hulk up spot. You know, they they because that was the thing that yes. was really neat about some of the callbacks in the match is that early on it was very much the Steamboat Savage callback, and then they had the the Savage Hogan callbacks, and you know, and they just worked really well. And and he and the thing is, is that while he was hulking up, it the fascinating thing is, is as I'm watching this, it's like he's not he's not being Hulk Hogan here. He's being Flip Gordon, and he's hulking up, and yeah. it worked so well. But wouldn't it not have been perfect if he turned around and like did, did a leg drop or did his finishing move there after the boot and won the title? He could have <laughs> held the title and did like the Hulk Hogan arm, like the ear thing. And but it was yeah. it was so many callbacks; it was great. So uh, next up, we have probably one of the most looked forward to matches on the entire card: uh, Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Junior or Pentel Zero Miero, whatever you know. He goes by many names. Yes. Um, and he, but, he can do whatever he wants because he's a bad man. Yeah. And this match was, was really, oh. really good. Oh, that, that thing that jumps out, though, on me is the apron. The, the, what was it? Like Package the pile driver, driver on the, on the apron. apron. I turned right to you and said, Harold May must have just shit his pants. Yeah. Like, if you're Harold May, you, you by let the them... way, I don't know if we mentioned this. We heard rumors that Harold was there. Um, but not in a public that, capacity, right? That we that we weren't even supposed to know that he was there. That the person that told us he was there was, was sort of like, "Don't let anyone know that I told you that." Um, so, but we heard that he was there, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, let's face it. You know, when you've got some of your top guys there on the card, um, and, and also just the nature of the card, it, it says a lot that he decided to be there. Yeah, but uh, if you're him, though, are you real happy seeing your one of your biggest stars taking a package pile driver on a ring apron? I mean, I know you're in there with two of the best workers in the world, but there's always the danger. And, you know, some moves are just inherently more dangerous than others. I mean, but you trust the guys. I get it. But still. If, yeah, if it was me, I look, 
I would have said, guys, uh, you know, maybe nothing, no pile drivers, nothing on the ring apron per se. And um, <laughs> I would, here's what I have to say about that. I would have cringed had it been in my ring, much less somebody else's ring. You yeah. know what I mean? Could you imagine if they messed that up and Kenny Omega got really, really hurt on a Oof. show that wasn't even your show? Yeah. But one interesting takeaway from this match, though, and, and nobody, I, I, I guess I understand why, but it was kind of weird. I thought we would see Kenny come in with the IWGP title. And, yeah. and there was some discussion. Was People were asking afterwards why he didn't have the belt with him. I know the belt wasn't on the line, but if you're the, you know, unless he didn't want to lug it through customs and everything all the way from Japan, but I mean. Right. Yeah, I'm not real sure what it was there. I'd heard a couple of conflicting things. One of the things that I had heard is because the title was not on the line, they didn't want to confuse anyone with him having the title so that it was, you know, that that was one of the reasons he came without it. Obviously, that did not affect the Bucks later because they had their tag team titles. But, I, I yeah, I don't know. It, it would have been really cool to see him come out with it, obviously. Um, it's really funny to me because when I saw him last year here in Chicago for the Ring of Honor show, he when he was the U.S. champion, he did not come out with that belt either, but that was because he forgot it. <laughs> I'm wondering <laughs> it if it's just really a pain. Funny story. Like, I, I understand why the Bucks would have theirs because they live in the United States, so they would have to have their belt wherever they live. Like, maybe he just figured it's not worth packing up and taking. Hold on one second. Yep. So the doorbell has gone off, which is Nakamura's WWE music in Paul's house. Someone must be there. It's going to be a very interesting moment while I just vamp. And I'm not going to cut this out. I'm going to talk to you all as a fan, as a friend, as your New Japan Pro Wrestling podcaster. Uh, It has been an insane week of recovery, to be honest with you, because last week um, we packed so much in. We didn't get much sleep. Uh, we enjoyed ourselves at the bar in the evening. Uh, not too much, but a little bit. Um, um, I'm I, sorry for the interruption. That was my mother. The mail came, but it came for the most, it was the most excellent break. Because, I know I'm totally off topic, people that listen to the first part of this show know I was waiting for a package from Phil Singer Games. And yes. that was my best of the UK package. Well, good news, that came yesterday. Nice. But there's a new package right here for me. From yes. Phil Singer Games. So this is my Evolve 1 through 4 packs. Love so it. I don't mind being interrupted for that. I don't know how I ordered the first pack on Tuesday, and it got here on Friday. And I ordered the second pack on Friday, and it's here on Sunday. Because the mail delivers packages, I guess, on Sunday now. Nice. Yeah. So well, anyway, that's a good interruption. No, I was just telling people while, while you were away, I was just telling people about uh, recovering from last week, about how, you know, we didn't get much sleep. We enjoyed ourselves at the bar at night. We did a lot of work. We got a lot of interviews um, and the recovery process. I don't know about you, Paul, but it's been a little slow for me. Uh, I don't know. I, it's, it's been fine for me. I'm kind of used to well, like here's the deal, too. Like my life is chaotic with my kids because I have three kids while they're awake. Sure. But the nice thing about my life is when everybody goes to bed, they go to bed. Like, right. my, you have a, what, an eight-week-old? Yep. She doesn't understand that concept yet. Like, when, like, you know, so if I decide to go to bed early, like 9.30 or something, my kids are at a point now where, and my wife, well, they will keep it down and make sure not to wake daddy up and let sure. me sleep. So I was able to recover pretty fast. Um, you I, you I, got I, even I honestly, less sleep than I did because, honestly, this is how crazy Sam was, like, we would wake up, right? The podcast row, for example, would start at 10 o'clock. So our plan was to get down, like, we'd start setting up at 9. So we're like, all right, we'll set the, the alarm for 8.30. I wake up at 8.30. Sam is gone. 
<laughs> I'm like, where are you? He's like, I, you were already downstairs because you wanted to try to get a perfect spot and you wanted to scope the place out. I'm like, geez, Louise, like no matter what time all week I told you, like we decided we were waking up and setting the alarm, you were already up in Gama or, or close to it by the time I woke up. Like the alarm would wake me up. I would hop up and Sam's already out of the shower, combing his hair, except like, except for Sunday when you decided or would not to turn your alarm thing off on your iPad and it was going oh off at man. like, what time did that thing go off at like six in the morning? And you, it was, uh, seven, I think. Yeah. It, it was so serene that you slept right through it, but for some reason it got me up, and then I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you bearing with me. I was like oh. a kid. I was like a kid at, at Christmas. Honestly, it was so. It was just great. Um, but getting back to the match, so yeah. uh, you know, Kenny obviously wins. That said, they, I mean, played this match so perfectly, and, and, and Penta got so much stuff in that. When the, the the final near fall that Penta got on Kenny happened, the crowd bit on it, and they bit on it hard. I actually like, thought Penta I, was going to win. Me too. I remember turning to you, and I'm like, no way. No way. Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And, I mean, obviously they shouldn't have, and I'm very, very glad that, that they didn't. Um, but it was... Whew. It, it was it was it was a near fall to say the least. Uh, but then of course Kenny comes back. Uh, the great thing is is that at one point Penta did the break your arm spot, and he did. Kenny it. sold it so well, yeah. And, he, and Kenny sold it so well that when he went up for the one winged angel, uh, he had to use the opposite arm that he normally uses to bring him down, which was so perfect and just so smart on Kenny's part. And then after the match, when the ref went to raise his arm, uh, Kenny made him raise the opposite arm. It was just. I mean, it was it was it was a great match, and I think that one of the things that we started to see were that some matches were were you know the, the string of matches that built on one another in a way. It's like they just got better and better and better. Um, and in my opinion, uh, well, we'll talk. Let's talk about Jericho first. Uh, so the lights go out. Yes. In that moment, in that moment, you know, two thoughts are running through your head. Either because there had been a lot of rumors that Ring of Honor had reached out to Punk. <laughs> For Madison Square Garden, and yes. the rumor was is that they were hoping to book Punk versus Omega for Madison Square Garden. So in that moment, I think the crowd was the majority of the crowd was thinking Chris Jericho, but there were definitely people in that crowd that were like, "Is it? Is he here? Is he gonna be Punk?" And the lights come back up, and at first, for a split second. It was like, what the hell happened? Because you saw Tiger Hattori come down from the ramp. What you didn't see is that Jericho in full Penta regalia had entered the ring. And for a split second, you're kind of looking and you're like, what the hell's going on? And then... Because he's in the same exact position that Penta was in. Yep. But here's the question I have. Where the hell was Jericho all night? He was locked in a a, um, locker room by himself. What, did he just come down in the dark? Yeah, the only people that knew were um, uh, the Bucks, Cody, Kenny, and Penta. I don't think anyone else in the building knew that he was there. Well, I get the feeling that maybe Tiger Hattori might have known. Well, you, you know, maybe, yeah, yeah, that, that would make sense. Either that or they just told him to go out. And he so was it's so out. hard because, like, sometimes I've been in arenas where the lights go out and then something happens, but sometimes it doesn't play right because in the arena you can see still a little yeah. bit like what's going on because of cell phones and everything. You didn't have this here. I couldn't see a goddamn thing. And then when it came back on, like I'm, I'm assuming he must have ran down and Penta must have ran up because I don't yeah. think Penta hung out under the ring the rest of the night. 
No. But, uh, yeah, then I wasn't even, like you said, the lights came on, and you're like, what the hell just happened? So you're looking at the ring real quick, then I'm looking up at the ramp, and that's when you're screaming at me, it's Jericho, it's Jericho. And I look back, <laughs> and that's when you, like, the, you didn't realize what was going on until you saw the tattoos on the arm. Yeah. Yeah, the tattoos were the giveaway. and it, But it was it played so well. He did the code breaker. He beat the shit out of Kenny. He took the mask off. And the thing is, is that the the way that that was shot for for the TV, because I saw it on the B and the Elite. Yeah, they're like, stay on if, that, stay on that. They had that perfect yeah. camera angle. And, and, but even where we were, I mean, we had great seats. Let's make no mistake about it. Our seats were fucking incredible. And, and where we were, we had the perfect view of when he took the mask off. We were, yeah, because we were dead center, but we were on the side of the hard camera. Originally, we thought we were going to be opposite the hard camera, but now I'm glad we were we were on the side because every single thing that was done for the camera faced us. Yeah. Which yeah. was kind of neat. Like, everything, you, you don't realize when you're, because when you see it on TV, they just always go to the hard camera. You don't realize, like, if you're in the arena on the other side, everything, you're looking at the backs of everybody when they're talking or doing, because they're, they're so trained to be to the camera. Right. So it felt like like our view wasn't all that much different than like the view would, you would have from TV. No, 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 not at all. I mean, yeah, and that moment just played so well. The crowd was going ape shit. Yeah. Then Jericho gets on the mic, says the thing about I'll see you on the Jericho cruise, and then leaves. Um, is there just not a guy? There's no, is there any wrestler in the world that just gets it? Kind of like Chris Jericho gets it. Like he, I mean, end of the day, like all the all the greatest of all time stuff. You know, there's it, it, there's some validity to that in a yeah. way. Uh, there really is. Like, and I tried to explain to my son. Like, he's like all the greatest wrestlers of all time, and he's wrestling naming Ric Flair and all the greats. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you don't really think about it in these terms, but you gotta mention Jericho. And I said, <laughs> not only for that stuff. If you go on his like Wikipedia page and look at all the titles he's won, everything like it's like sneaky how many titles he's won, and because you forget he's been around so long. He's just Has, there, and then he disappears, and he comes back, so he doesn't get stale, and it always right. feels fresh. Like, it dawned on me the other day, I went to great, the Great American Bash in 1998, and he was in a match, a, a, a no-holds-barred match with Dean Malenko. For the, so for the, you know, like, you don't, it just doesn't compute that he's been around that long. Here's the thing about Jericho <laughs> that I think, honestly... Let's just talk North American talent for a second. Yeah. Because I feel like we can speak to that even better. I mean, in spite of our history with New Japan and whatnot. You can talk about Flair and you can talk about Shawn Michaels. And it's, it's you know, it's hard to disagree with either one of them as being potentially the greatest of all time. The thing about Jericho that is different from either one of those guys is that he is constantly evolving. Yes. And he, the way that he, like, if you look at him 25 years ago... And you see what he did and how he played to the crowd and what he did in the ring. You look at him just a few years after that, a few years after that, a few, all the way up until today, he knows what it takes to reach an audience in the time he's talking to the audience. Absolutely. Here's a perfect example. Like, nothing against those other guys. Right. But Ric Flair, at the end of his career, was still the Ric Flair from the beginning of his career. That was Ric Flair. And, yep. and maybe that's okay because we didn't want to see Ric Flair any other way. You know, sure. we wanted the styling and profiling. I mean, Jim Hurd tried to make him Spartacus and that one, you know. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Like, if you go back and watch the earlier Jer- Jericho from, let's say, WCW, and even yeah. when he came to WWE, he has that stupid hair, like that ponytail sticking the straight up of his head and the flashy jacket, and he's doing all the catchphrases and everything. And then, it, like, look at when he leaves and he comes back. 
right? And he comes back, and then with, as soon as he comes back, he's doing the, he's in the suit and the tie, and he's doing, I am the best in the world. Like, like monotoned and not Jericho. And then he comes back, like, even when he came out for the match at Dominion, and he's dressed like he's, like, from, a, what was he, like a Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, Or, yeah. like, just different things that the guy does. He's a wrestling chameleon. He, he's smart enough. He changed his finishing move at one point. He changed even mm-hmm. again. Now he's doing a code breaker with one knee. I know that's a small yeah. change, but it's just something different. He he always adapts. He always reinvents himself. He keeps himself fresh. And that's another thing. Like for as long as he's been around, because he leaves and he does his own thing and then comes back and he does that often, he never feels old or stale. He always feels like inner. It just feels great when he comes back. Like everybody's energized and invigorated. And he knows how to pick and choose his spots. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's been around for 20-some years, world champions. And you can make the, the argument that his last run in WWE with Kevin Owens was the best run he had. Maybe oh, they yeah. didn't win the title, but from an entertainment point of view, that was some of the best work he's done ever. Yeah, then he absolutely. goes to New Japan. And look at he has like – now he's in New Japan. He's this ruthless, ruthless, vindictive Jericho. But then he shows up at the Raw 25th anniversary, and he's back to doing the, the lisp skit. And laughing yeah. and making you pop, but then he shows up at Dominion and he's out to kill Naito. Yeah, and he's now he's attacking Kenny left and right. Like you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's amazing it, what he does. But kudos to him too. Here's a guy that can see the bigger picture because he's been on record before saying that he really doesn't didn't want to ever work a North American show outside of working for Vince. Right? He can weigh it up and realize this show is historic. Yeah, and I need to be on it. And let's, he's a good businessman. Let's figure, let's find a way too. He found a way to just uh, totally advertise for his cruise. Which is nearly sold out. Yeah, he had like 100 ca- cabins left or whatever it was. What a great way to like remind the crowd. And now, now if you had people on the fence, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to get to see Omega Jericho on a cruise in the Bahamas. Yeah. Why, why not do it? So the other thing, and then he follows it right up on Twitter, announcing the sponsor of his cruise. It's like he gets eyes on him and then makes the announcement the next day. Right. Well, and it's worth mentioning that in respect to that, you know, the, the, the working in North America and not working for Vince, you, you cannot help but think that a big part of this for him was because he's been vocal about it. He's given lots of ideas to Vince over the past year about things that they could do or things that they should do or things that would be really great for the company. And they've all been shot down. And you get the sense that he's like, OK, fine, I'm going to go. I'm going to go yeah. do my thing. You do whatever the fuck you want. I don't I don't you don't own me. You know, like Cody was saying earlier, later in the night, you don't own professional wrestling. Yeah. And he has the opportunity to go out there and tell effective stories, continue his legacy and continue to reach audiences in a unique and timely way. And that's something that, quite frankly, seems to be beyond Vince right now. So fuck it. I'm going to go do this thing. Well, let's be honest here. Um, if. Do you think any of this would have been, we would have got to this point if when he reached out to WWE to do the cruise, they said yes, we'd be no. here? No, I don't think so. I agree. I also think that if he would have reached out and said the thing about, um, what did he want to do? He wanted to, um, did he want to come back and win the the, the inter- intercontinental belt so so he could take it over there and have an intercontinental versus intercontinental title yeah, match? Yeah, and they didn't want to do part And they didn't want to do that either. Yeah, again, it's like he's giving them all these sterling opportunities to do these really unique, interesting things, and they're saying no. And that's fine, because as we've talked about before, they're their own machine. You know, they're their billion-dollar machine. It's great. Whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, it was, yeah, it was a hell of a match. It was a hell of a uh, aftermath. Uh, then we get into the longest match of the night, in my opinion, the match of the night. Um, I, I loved this match so much. Um, Okada versus Skrull. Oh, what a great wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it was 
just it was played so brilliantly and what Okada let Skrull get in worked perfectly. Okada never looked you know bad at all. I mean it's one of those it's one of those perfect templates where both guys come out looking better than they did when they went in, which is saying something about Okada cuz Okada is Okada. Um you know and obviously it's more about the elevation of Skrull in this match and the story that they told overall, but it was yeah. I thought it was a brilliant match. Yeah, and I thought the buildup was great because I thought and it was all one-sided and which is great because I don't think Okada needed to say a word. Nope. But the 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 promo that Marty did on the last being the elite and then the promo he did at the weigh in really made you care and it made it personal and you got Marty's point of view on it and everything it was great. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It was it was it was fantastic. I mean the, the, the promo work that Skrull did brought the whole feud, if you will, uh, up to a whole new level. And I, I just think that they got the payoffs multiple times through the course of the match. Uh, we know the story that they went long. There's obviously some back and forth about that. Skrull says they only went a few minutes long and that other matches had gone longer throughout the night, that there was no heat against them. Other reports say that they went 12 or 13 minutes long, that there was heat against Skrull, that he bore the brunt of it because they couldn't really get mad at Okada. Um, who knows? Uh, it's also worth mentioning um, that Tiger Hattori got a huge pop. Uh, yeah, he did. Which was awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think part of the reason people thought there was heat, too, was because if you watch the end after what they did when it went off the air, Marty's not there. Yeah. And he says... Marty said he was in the shower, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, look, it's, it's difficult because on one hand, I left that night being so satisfied. Um, in retrospect, you know, hindsight being what it is... There is absolutely a part of me that would have loved to see the six man go 10 or 15 minutes longer if that was what it was supposed to do. But I think that just because we didn't get that 25 minute main event with the six man, I again, the 12 minutes that we got, like I wasn't disappointed. No, I said as soon as we heard and, and we were talking about the next day, the rumors that they were short on time, we knew they were cutting it close because they said right after they would basically finish with three seconds to spare. Yeah. But the, when the whole thing came, I kind of liked that the main event was the length it was. Because uh, to me, with those guys, and you knew it was going to be spot heavy, let's face it. Yeah. I don't mean that as a negative, but you have three guys in there that are going to go crazy. Um, I liked that it was like bang, 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 bang. Like there was no sit-down period. Because, like, you could tell, like, throughout the night when matches would heat up, the crowd would stand up and get really into it. And then the match would have the move would happen, then you'd, you'd calm down, sit down, catch your breath, and, and, and watch. This was, like, the second they did the first big spot and everybody got up, you couldn't sit down. No, I It agree. was just like a sprint to the finish. And I, yeah, and I almost think in some ways, like, again, like, if you told me I was going to get 25 minutes of those six guys, I would, I, here's my money, you know? Yeah, but I agree. that said... Yeah, I, I can't be disappointed. And ultimately, I liked the Skrull Okada match so much. And, and you know, one of the things that I said a couple of times afterwards when people were talking about how they went long is I was like, you know, when you've got the greatest wrestler alive today in the ring, like, you don't tell him to go home. He tells you when to go home. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. That's just the type but of guy I am. I get that. But there's two sides of that. Like, and I think, too, if you look at what Okada does... 90% of the wrestling he does is on their own network, right. like their own platform, where I don't think they have the time constraint no. that they have to end it at a certain time. So I get what you're saying when you have a guy like Okada, you let him do what he wants. But when you have a hard time, you have to be done, and it's 11 o'clock 
Eastern or 10 o'clock Central, and that's it. You're off the air. Yeah. Then you kind of have to understand if 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 you tell them it's, you got to go home, then you, you got to go home. Sure, you know what I mean. Like if you know, and I'm not blaming Okada, but if you know that's the situation, and they tell you the time to go home, and you don't, that's selfish, <laughs> right? Is it not? Well, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, you could... and I'm not saying that's what happened at all. No, right, right. Because like, we don't we don't I know te- exactly what happened. I tend to think that I, for whatever reason, I tend to believe Marty on this because he said the whole show was running late was going over, there was a lot of parts that went a little bit long. And if you add a minute here and a minute, minute there all night, it adds up to that 12, 13-minute mark where they're they're off. And uh, you know what? Let's face it, too. You have a bunch of guys that's the first time ever promoting a show like this and formatting it. You know, you might not have the person, you know, like if you have a WWE or New Japan or whatever, you might have one guy whose whole job it is to time it out and make sure everything's on time. Yeah. Where these guys are, are juggling a lot of hats at once. So I tend to believe that Mar- Marty said the Bucks told him, don't worry about it. Just do your do your thing. Don't cut it. We'll, we'll make it work. Don't cut him in, yeah. And I tend to, be- to believe that. Well, and the other thing is, too, is Okada in singles matches, Okada's not wrestling a sub-20 minute match. Do you know what I mean? No. Like in singles yeah, matches, so he never wrestles a sub twenty minute. The twenty minute mark is well, just breaking G1, a sweat. I guess, but anyway, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, and we know. Look, I, I, I think it's almost. It goes without saying. We know that the street fight ran a little long. We know that the Mel Daniels match ran a little long. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Kenny and Pentic was right on time. Um, but we know that other matches ended up running a little long, and the in between segments might have been a little longer, or whatever. But ultimately, if I had to sum up the show. I just cannot think of a better time I've had watching a wrestling show. I've seen better matches. I've probably seen, you know, more exciting moments. But when you put the whole thing together, I have never seen from top to bottom a better show. I agree. I, I think if you look at it, like if I were to sit there and say what match was I the least into, it was probably the MJF Matt Cross match. Yep. And yet I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. So there was no point there. Like, here's here's how you can sum it up for me. And this sounds like terrible, but this is how a casual fan would look at it, too. Whenever I look at a card, I always try to figure out, like, if I have to go to the bathroom, for example, what's next? Can I skip out on the next match? Or what's the match I don't care about? Or how do I time it out? At every point I had to go to the bathroom to get a beer, it was like trying to run the second the match was over yeah. to get back before the next. Like, I didn't want to miss anything. No. No, I agree. And that sums it up. Like, I, I could watch, like, I was at SummerSlam, and there's like, all right, the next match is so-and-so, that's when I'm going to get the beer and go in the bathroom and stuff, because I don't care. Right. And there was, I never had that moment here. No, and as Cody said in the in the aftermath, which, you know, I posted some of it on our Twitter, because uh, I, I recorded it from the phone, uh, and then obviously Being the Elite has the entirety of it as well. If you watch the post-show stuff that happened for the live crowd... And, and, and Cody points it out right away. No one left the building. That's the truth, too. You know, we have seen big-time cards in the WWE where the last match is going on. People are leaving the building before the finish They're of the match. They're chanting. They're chanting, beat the traffic. Yeah, beat the tra- so, so a lot of that depends. A lot of that has to do with one individual who's in the match. Well, fair or unfair, and I don't want to go down that road. I, I think you know whatever. That's. I don't think it's his fault per se. I think it's the way he's being booked and the way they just are stubborn about things. Sure. That, that they didn't do him any favors, but that's another discussion for another day. But you know, speaking of other discussions for other days, we're going to have an episode coming up next week 
And we have some stuff to talk about because we're going to have all the Road to Destruction stuff. That's right. That's right. So it's worth mentioning um, real quick uh, for Road to Destruction. I, I would say that uh, the main event from night two um, is must-see. Um, yes. The, the, the interactions between Ibushi and Osprey are fucking incredible. Uh, Omega and Ishii are awesome. I mean, anytime Ibushi and Ishii are in, I mean, basically the whole match. Osprey and Omega have some amazing interactions. To get that a, a, that, a match of that level on a Road 2 card, I mean, just kind of blew my mind. It, it's, it's, it is worth your time. Yeah, um, I got a lot to watch because I got to watch a, 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 two nights of that that I really I watched the main event, but I want to really go back and delve into that. Um, I did sign up for the thing, so if we want, we're going to watch uh, Evolve one twelve and one thirteen. Nice, nice, very. So cool. I have that to watch. Um, I did watch a little bit of Evolve one twelve last night in between, like I was watching uh, some college football, and I had the laptop open. So I was doing that. Very cool. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming up, but I mean, it, it just feels like this was a good way. We, we wanted to get all in and everything behind us. Now we wanted, you know, it was an amazing experience for both of us. Not only all in, but Starcast. Yeah. But that that's the past. I mean, we have interviews that we're gonna run that we got from that that we're gonna space out. But now we're on to being back to uh, more New Japan-centric starting next week. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, we have always from the very, very beginning said that we are, we are you know, we are going to take some diversions here and there um, to other parts of the wrestling world. It makes sense with the New Japan schedule. Uh, we love professional wrestling. We, you know, we love New Japan. This is a New Japan podcast. We revel in the fact that we're a New Japan podcast. Um, we, 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 we were very proud, quite frankly, of the fact that we were the only New Japan pro wrestling podcast at Starcast. The only the only dedicated New Japan. Other people covered it, but we were the only dedicated New Japan podcast. Right, right. And so I think that you know for for us um, that is that is definitely our home base. We don't want anyone to think otherwise. But that said, you know, we love professional wrestling and because of the way that the New Japan schedule works, there's going to be opportunities for us to talk about things that are outside of New Japan or related to New Japan. Um, well, you had so much New Japan talent on this show. I mean, oh, if yeah. you're going to have a show that has Okada, Kenny, the Bucks, Cody, Skrull, Hangman Page, of course we're going to cover it. Well, yeah, and Super J-Cast covered it and, you know, and, and the Strong yeah. Style guys covered it. I mean, like, it's not like it's not like other New Japan podcasts or other New Japan sites or whatever aren't covering this show. It, 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 it should be covered in New Japan context. It's on New Japan World, for God's sakes. It's not like this wasn't New Japan content. It's just that we've got some content, you know, like our Magnum TA interview or our Mark James interview or, you know, some of that stuff that we're going to be pushing out in the future. That We're not talking about New Japan with those guys, you know. I mean, we did put some Japanese questions to Magnum TA. So surprisingly, we talk about New Japan wrestling with MJF <laughs> in a roundabout way. <laughs> we do actually, which is which is cool. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're going to go ahead and go home for now. Uh, we thank everyone for listening. Uh, we are we are back from our all in revelries, and uh, we can't wait for destruction. We're about ready to get some incredible stuff coming up real soon. I mean, we're going to get Tanahashi Okada. We're going to get Ishi Omega. Um, Cody and Juice I'm looking forward to now Absolutely, absolutely So we're going to have a lot to talk about these next few weeks But in the meantime, Paul, what do you say? Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening It's been a wild week here From last weekend right through this weekend It's been kind of non-stop and everything I mean, I can only imagine like how tired we were from the whole thing So imagine how tired they were So the fact that they're going to take a break is well-deserved um, and in essence, all I want to say about All In is I just, I know it sounds happy, but thank you. Yes. They put on a wrestling show for wrestling fans, and they did something that people didn't think they could do. 
But when they did it, they did it for us, the people that watch being the elite, that follow them and everything. They didn't try to make it something it wasn't. And they said right from the beginning, don't look at it as a wrestling show. It's, tonight's going to be a party. Yeah. And that's kind of how it felt. And I think that thank you is one of the best possible things that we can say. Uh, look, we know that Matt and Nick and Cody and Kenny and you know crew aren't listening to this, and that's fine. But uh, we, we know this. And we, <laughs> but I, I have to say thank you to them. We got the chance to thank them in person, which meant a lot to me. Especially, I had I had a brief but but very nice conversation with Matt Jackson, and just thanked him not only for the show and the work, but for the inspiration because I feel like what they did was inspiring to us and motivating to us. And we came out of Starcast and All In with renewed purpose and direction, following our passion, wanting to do the work, have had exciting conversations with some very highly placed people in the podcast world, and and we're going to see what happens. You know, we make no promises and no guarantees, but... You know, we, we're taking this seriously, and we want to try to act as professionally as possible whenever we can to give you the best content that we can. And a lot of that, I, I feel like, comes out of what happened this past weekend. So thank you to Matt, Nick, Cody, Kenny, yeah. Coda, you know, the whole crew. Because because of the opportunity they afforded us at Starcade 2, I really do think we're on to, to bigger, and I don't want to say better things, because yeah. I think we do a pretty good job, but I think we're on to bigger things. And also, you know, it's worth mentioning, once again, we've given them a lot of shout-outs, but I think it's worth doing again. Conrad Thompson, Dave Hancock. Uh, Dave John Otto, Lopez, John Lopez, John Lopez, John Lopez, John Lopez. John yeah, I awesome. want to sh- put him over huge because he was our ace in the hole all week. Not the other guys were all great, but he became our go-to guy real fast. He really did, yeah. And then we can't forget cousin Derek who hooked us up with a lot of cool interviews on yeah. Friday. Cousin cousin Derek was the man. So uh, we we really appreciate everyone at Starcast, everyone at All In. And, oh, um, oh, you know the the staff at the Hyatt Regency was great, but Fifi. we we had Fifi, our the, Fifi. the bartender, was the best. Yeah, she was. And then we can't, you know, we shouldn't leave out Jose or Amanda or uh, Ina as well. They were all awesome. So we had Ina really yelled cool. at you. She did yell at me in in fun, yes. in fun. Yes. In jest. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. We're going to be back at you next week with destruction coverage. Cannot wait. Uh, we'll cover the, the Road 2 shows, and then we'll talk probably that first destruction, first night of destruction with uh, Kenny and Ishii. So we're going to have an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match to talk about. All right. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Well, we're out of here then. I'll talk to you later, brother. Yeah.